welcome to Exit Through the 2010s, a podcast about the movies of the past decade. I'm Jack Draper. With me is Clay Williams. Uh, what you seen recently? I'm curious. Uh, the Red Circle I watched. Um, I rented it because uh, our Chicago friends, like our guest today, there was a screening at the mu- Music Box th- Theater, um, and I just saw a whole bunch of like people I know uh, logging it. I'm like, fuck, I've actually always been meaning to watch that movie. So I rented it for like four bucks, I think. Um, and boy, was that a film. God, that like hi- that forty uh, thirty minute high sequence without a single lick of dialogue is maybe the, one of the greatest things I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. It just was true. It's like now, I-, I can't stop thinking about it. Um, mm. For that, I watched Peeping Tom for the first time. Oh, really so dug good. that. So um, Deep Red Argento, one of Argento's oh, so first yeah. films. Well, not first yeah. films, but one of like his earlier Gallo films. It was pre Suspiria, um, so yeah. It's, yeah. Pre-Suspiria. I would correct. consider that to be um, earlier work, yeah. I guess, yeah. I'm not an expert on Argento, so maybe I should, you know, look, you know, be careful of what I say. Uh, and yeah, I mean, those are the three main things. Watch Lords of Salem. That was pretty good. It's the best zombie I've seen. It's <clears> his <throat> most matured and yeah, uh, restrained, which I appreciate. Nice. nice. Uh, great vibes in that. <laughs> Massachusetts its own, uh, Rob Zombie. Is he from? Is he from? Is he from Boston? Not only that, but he's from my hometown. He's from Haverhill. Really? So yeah. John Cena and Rob Zombie are your yeah. biggest representations in media <laughs> for your hometown. Yeah, that's it. What a combo! What a combo! <laughs> um, yeah, I feel it, like uh, it's more than more than just uh, those two from Haverhill, though, right? There are a couple. Yeah, there are a couple so. more people. There's the ones that at least jump out at me first. Yeah. West Newberry? I, I, I mean, I don't what know. I remember, what I remember is that um, uh, Nosferatu, the AMC series, with um, that was based on the Joe Hill books that went for two seasons, uh, yeah, was AMC. set in Haverhill. Yeah. Yeah, it was set in Haverhill. Yeah. That's true. Okay. Yeah. All right. All right. Also, so, all right. I see. We're starting to build a foundation. Um. Yeah, as for myself, I I uh, I'm going to just like, not even give one that's like a hidden gem or anything, but just Kramer versus Kramer. It's it's excellent. Uh, as as I've talked about before, I'm going through all the best picture winners that I haven't seen every Sunday uh, once a week, and this is one of the best I've seen. It's uh, it has just has such a big heart. It's raw. It's honest. Um, it's funny. It's sad. Tender. Um, that's just, you know um it's yeah it's like it's it's just like sucks that i took so long to get to it um and uh it's so cool to see streep and hoffman so earlier in their careers but their performances seems like so mature and like years beyond their actual ages it's a hell of a movie it's funny as a kid i always got confused i'm like so is that like a seinfeld thing or like uh, i was yeah. always it always bugged me i don't know why i was always just so confused when i heard that title i'm like what what is that because i'm kramer is just not a common that's not a common name is it uh, it's their last name it's not their first name no i know no i understand but still even last name or first name it's a, yeah, i guess so. it's not yeah common so i was just always like seinfeld right it's like a seinfeld thing <laughs> i don't know what it's about 
the version of Kramer versus Kramer where it's just about doppelgangers and they keep coming into the apartment at the same time from different angles. Sounds great. Let's make it I now. I, I, I Jerry... don't think Mike Richards is that compli- is uh, problematic, right? He's cool. Yeah, yeah, very chill. Um, yeah, I, I, I mean, I'm, I have a hell of a road ahead of me with the 70s too, like Deer Hunters in a few days and... Um, Another chill Patton, movie. the Sting. Um, yeah, yeah, the 70s look really, Sting really good. Sting is good. Sting yeah. is, like, that, like, those, you know, the Deer Hunter and, like, uh, Patton are, like, three-hour movies that are pretty dramatic. Sting is just mm-hmm. like, a, hey, well, what if dudes kind of just hung out and, like, committed crimes? Yeah, it's just, it's just cool. vibes. Yeah, can't wait. Basically. Um, yeah, uh, Isaac, how you, uh, Isaac Feldberg is yeah. back with us. We're so excited to have you. Um, what yeah, have you seen I, I wasn't. I wasn't sure uh, whether I should introduce myself or uh, or do that. But you know, over time, we've become yeah, less and yeah. less formal with it. I'm just like, oh, I see. I see. <laughs> no, that's completely okay. Um, for for those listening who who might be newer to the show, I'm I'm a returning guest uh, to exit through the 2010s. Uh, we had a terrific conversation about Annihilation the last time I was here, uh, which is one of my favorite movies. Uh, which we're actually repeating around this time. I uh, am excited to, to jump in with another favorite. Uh, not just my favorite, I understand it. Mm. Uh, but for, for those listening, I'm Isaac Feldberg. I am happy to be here. Yeah. Uh, I actually also, uh, as Clay had mentioned, in, in Chicago. So I just got to see uh, Le Cirque Rouge, the Red Circle, uh, at the Music Box. Um, beautiful print of it, too. Uh, and that was the the first time I'd seen that movie, uh, 1970, very like uh, kind of slow, deliberate, um, very precisely framed heist movie, which, you know, I was completely in the mood for. So I, I've really, you know, I've been having a, a bit of a streak recently with uh, my movie watching. I think I just decided, you know, I was going to watch good movies and movies that I knew to be good. Yeah, um, same. Same. Which, you know, and I, you can't keep a streak alive forever. And so I did watch the new Cinderella last night. Uh, but, Ooh, you know, it was yeah. a beautiful, it was a beautiful, but it was a beautiful time. You know, I watched, uh, I watched the Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy adaptation from, uh, from 2011. That is, I think it's just, you know, the best John Le Carre adaptation that I've seen. Um, I got to see Werner Herzog's Nosferatu the Vampire. Oh, it's excellent. From 79. Amazing. Like, oh my God. Like, I don't know what took me so long to watch that. It's just completely my shit. Uh, and why doesn't nobody talk about I, that? It's one of first Hog's best. It's, it's yeah, I, I don't know. I, I think, you know, maybe the material, people think it's a little bit more disreputable, but I, he just has such a, a sense for that gothic atmosphere. I Like, mm. that movie just is so steeped in a way that I really enjoy uh, I also really enjoyed uh, David Cronenberg's Eastern Promises, which was Oof. the first time I'd seen that. Hell of a oh. movie! Have oh. you guys both seen it? What mm-hmm. a picture! Yeah. I'm what a picture! I, what a picture! I'm such a big but... Cronenberg guy, so I mean, I, I watched Dead Ringers like for the first time like a month ago or whatever, or not a month ago, but like a few weeks ago. And yeah, I'm just I love Cronenberg. Hmm. He's uh, he's fantastic. I you know hadn't really seen. I, well, maybe this is wrong. I think maybe I have seen 
Cosmopolis, which is maybe a little bit closer to this in that it's not an overtly body horror freak out, you know, Cronenberg being so known for all of that. And I've been spending a lot of time with his early stuff, you know, like Shivers and uh, uh, Rabbit. The Brood. Have you seen The Brood? The Brood. Yes, The Brood. Uh, But, you know, he's he's the master of that stuff. I actually just watched Crash and, you know, seeing him do that body, that kind of horror in a more kind of sleek, um, techno-fetishistic sort of way with that movie was just, that was great. But, you know, I haven't seen Cronenberg do a kind of crime noir that is grounded in the way that Eastern Promises is. And, you know, Viggo Mortensen's in it. He's terrifying, which is exactly how I like Viggo Mortensen to be. Um, He's not scary enough, often enough, in my opinion. But, you know, getting to see him play this kind of shifty character going through uh the the under the underbelly of like russian organized crime in london uh that was you know that was fantastic i or is it russian or ukrainian uh i believe it's russian i I believe it's russian it's it's bratva and bratva is russian yes that's right uh getting to see him play that operator and you know there's this incredible seen in the baths uh in eastern promises this incredible action sequence where vigo mortensen gets attacked and has to fight back and you know i just uh i loved it you know it, it's everything i want a movie to be and yeah, so right i've, I've been ha- i've been having a good streak uh which continued with our subject movie of the cast last night excellent yes yes um and, and it's rare to have someone back to talk about something else from the same creator like like we have you doing um yeah as, it's true and um i we both just adore what we did with annihilation it's like this is this will probably have to have to be that instance that it's like we want you for for more alex garland um yes and with I'm that happy to be back. Um, when was the first time that you saw dread dread 3d i you know this is in great 3d because at, I, the hi- at the very height of it was not high, but like uh, it was of the time when 3D was the craze. Oh did God. you see it in 3D? I did. So yeah. you know, Dread 3D came out in 2012. Mm-hmm. Um, when I was, oh boy, I, I think I was 15 in 2012 or 15, 14, 15, uh, something like that. It was a long time ago. I can figure it out if I put in a modicum of effort with math, but I am not <laughs> going to do that. Instead, I'll continue. No math sentence. on this podcast. No, no math. No anti-math. math. As, as some, yes, I'm actually very anti-math. Uh, but you know the I, the the occasion was actually a birthday. It was it was my uh, what I used to go see films for uh my birthday that used to be what i did with friends in high school was just you know have my have my dad usually take us uh to go see something preferably an imax but sometimes just you know whatever looked cool um i saw contagion which was a weird choice in hindsight um but yeah i saw contagion too, 2011 too. you're i'm with yes you weird choice i don't think i fully registered how enjoyable it is to watch gwyneth paltrow gets you know get absolutely <laughs> wrecked wrecked in the opening of that movie because this was free goop you know she this didn't was free goop. Yet. um she didn't deserve it yet and you know free i think vagina that, you know watch it yes free vagina candle i was about to say the same thing <laughs> free free pseudoscience and 
pre-pharmaceutical empire uh but like <laughs> 2011 you know, was I, a I different see, time is what we're trying to say it was <laughs> it was a simpler time in Gwyneth's <laughs> life and also mine um but you know we came together one blessed evening for IMAX at Jordan's in Natick in Massachusetts uh shout, shout out. out shout out Natick um <laughs> But yeah, I saw Contagion this way. I saw Beowulf also in Sick. 3D this way. The Robert Zemeckis yeah. Beowulf, which mm. is an insane movie that people don't talk about enough. Um, and then which also Dread, Dread 3D. I, I, we'll we'll talk Beowulf at some other point in time. But I, I, have, <laughs> I have thoughts on that one. Um, but yeah, no Dread. Dread. I saw at a birthday party, and I told my dad that it was like a fun kind of action movie. And he took a bunch of 15-year-olds to see it. I was like, oh, the R rating, they don't really earn that. It's fine. It was just like a, just like a marketing thing. Um, did you actually, like, did you know that? Or was that just a total lie? I just wanted to see the movie. I would yeah, say whatever yeah. I wanted. I was, like, yeah. I was 14. I, like, I said yeah. whatever I wanted every Hell day. Yeah. Um, but, like, yeah. No, it, you know, and I was just blown away by it. It was such a cool action movie it was so kind of well oiled in my opinion and i felt like carl urban who i didn't know from eden was like you know just like the the coolest guy who could possibly be dread and i also had no familiarity with the character i hadn't mm. seen the stallone judge dread judge dread uh before seeing dread 3d should i call it dread 3d should we just call it dread um did you guys watch whatever it you 3D? prefer I've never seen it in 3D. That's one of the biggest regrets of my life, and I don't think I ever will because I'm not buying a 3D TV. But it's <laughs> it, it, it. I, I would you buy the glasses wish... at least? Would you yeah, throw on the oh, red and blue? You know, like... if they said I don't like 3D movies, they give me migraines. But if they said tomorrow we're re-releasing Dread on 3D, uh, I'm 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 there day one, like minute one, like absolutely like i'm camping outside of the theater even though i've already i've already pre-ordered my tickets you already own a copy and you're you're camping i do i've i've got oh all right hell yeah okay i I was just seeing if it i was just seeing if it was uh 3d and it is i haven't actually watched it from i feel so excluded (laughs) in in 3d but you know um for those that can't see um Clay and Isaac are are holding up their uh, copies of the Dread Blu-ray, oh, yeah. and and I don't, I don't Dread, have gang. One Dread Gang, Dread Gang, Dread Gang. Now yeah. they're throwing on their helmets, um, like like they're getting God. guns out. Like, I would I don't... so own that helmet. I would so own it. No, the helmet stays on. Uh, <laughs> I, you know, I do think that dread you know it it really is a film that has only aged well for me i you know didn't really have the bandwidth in 2012 the political bandwidth the emotional political the like mental bandwidth to register that this is actually kind of an anti-cop movie in a lot of ways you know there's a lot of um there's a lot of really kind of sharp political commentary in dread which i think is great and kind of you know it's exactly what you need to do with that character if you're updating it i i like i said i hadn't seen judge dread when i first checked out this new film uh so i didn't have too much familiarity with the franchise but you know dread it just as a character is just like this 
kind of anonymized helmet wearing super cop who's brutally lethal, uh, completely no nonsense, and really kind of equipped for his times, which are, you know, in this future, like irradiated America, this wasteland that's very corporate in a way that's very like kind of Verhoeven's uh, Robocop-esque, right. but also, very you know, so. but uh, has, uh, you know, kind of, uh, it has like a little bit of that like early 2000s sci-fi flair where everything, everyone just has hover bikes and it's not really discussed, like right. that kind of, that kind right. of thing. I thought of Minority um, Report I, a lot. Yeah, and iRobot, like that kind of era of sci-fi as well is very much in the world building that this film has. Uh, but, you know, I, I, I'll i pass it back to you guys to, to talk about Dread as well a little bit, but I was just, um, I'm delighted to, to talk about it because there really is a lot to go into with this surprisingly compact, uh, very like... Um, bottled story about you know two cops in a mega block uh trying to survive you know it it, it really yeah mega block (laughs) in a mega city and mega city one oh yeah let's just oh man i love that you're fired up yeah this is this is like i i i really do think of this episode as like a joint pick because you two are are just so in sync um we're very into dread yeah Dread um, gang man. Okay, let's dread save aside a half hour yeah. for Clay's first time seeing Dread. <laughs> you know. oh, it's uh, man, I've been waiting for to do this and sub subsequent. How it. good does it feel to hear those words finally? It took us a little time to get it, here. <laughs> it feels wonderful. A hundred. So obviously for the two hundred two hundredth episode, we're gonna let Jack pick what any movie he wants. But right well, now, that's it's the my thing time is like now. the reason why I I threw it to you is like. I knew that you had this locked and loaded. I, if you said pick anything, I'd be like, ah, I don't, I got it. But um, I didn't have this. I, just I, I said a hundredth episode into my special gun, and <laughs> it put that uh, bullet into the gun, and I shot it, and this is it. Oh yeah, man, yeah. Uh, dread. So I have seen this movie approximately five times, maybe more. Um, Today or just I, in your life? <laughs> honestly, I wish it was tonight. Uh, I had to work today, so I probably would have watched it again just for this podcast. Um, I watched it last night. Uh, the first time I I watched it before I got a letterbox, it was definitely on Netflix because it was it was like it lived on Netflix for so long. I think it might be still on there. It's like the same thing when we talked about the invitation or whatever. It's like it's on Netflix and it's like never coming off of it. Um, it, it it crucially is not on Netflix at this point in time, as I found last night to my horror and then delight at remembering that I had prepared for this occasion by buying it at one. You point. always have to be prepared to watch Dread. <laughs> for Dread, like, it's true. It's like you know, talk about a desert island movie. Yes, mm. absolutely. Um, I always like liked this. Like, I'm kind of the same. Uh, same boat with Isaac was like when I first saw it I'm like man that was actually kick ass that was really cool I mean you know it's just a, like you know a lot of economical action really fun characters really fun world just like it just seeps with its grittiness and then like then I want then I just like show it to people and, and like you know in 2017 I'm like I show my best friend who I grew up with I was like you want to like just knowing he would dig it because it's like you know it's like a bro action kind of movie at least that's how I perceived it at that time and we watched it, and he's like, yeah, that was fucking awesome. I'm like, yeah, that was great. And then, like, 
in then and again I still at that point I still like it and then in 2020 when I see like when I get more into like critical analysis and like um like uh just having more of understanding of the world of criticism and uh film theory or whatever and discovering more writers who discuss who you know write about film and analyze film um i just i would look at some of the critics that i would follow and be like oh yeah they gave like dread a high rating i feel like um i feel validated but Mm -hmm. why would they even like something like this because i was still in that mind of like well critics are you know they they don't know exactly how like real entertainment is they only like the fucking uh pretentious stuff which is obviously nonsense but it's like I was still at that moment trying to figure out. So like, well, wait, am I? Why am I right with the critics on this one? Because this is just some fun, dumb action movie. Then I like watch it again, and I, and I watch it. And I'm like, oh no, this is like one visually brilliant. Um, does so many things that you just don't see in like regular studio action films. Uh, it commits to its theme and its um, story so hard, and it's like satirical. It has this like just pitch black sense of humor mm-hmm. um the the characterizations are really great even though like 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 just being i would i would just remember just like rewatching it for like the third time and just be like oh yeah carl urban gives an amazing performance because he wears a fucking helmet and you never see his eyes you only see his chin and he gives you a full full like uh, a, a fully realized character just by using his voice and his chin and his physicality and so noticing all these little details that I na- I had more of like the vocabulary and to, to like or the, the vocabulary and the insight to kind of look for, then it just I realized oh yeah this is actually one of my favorite movies of all time. And then uh, since then I you know I rewatched it like to just be like I need to feel something I'm like you know I was just like I'm bored I have like an hour and four you don't want to watch a new movie I just want to feel something just watch Dread again and yeah. just feel like I know home. some people do this with sitcoms but do you ever put in your pocket and listen to it like a podcast or something like you just hear the audio like um, uh, if i i that's I like would, half sincere question but i guess like it's it's kind of it. and the funny thing is i mean that is kind of a joke but it's also like i would listen to hit, hit uh carl urban's monologue about the irradiated wasteland of america in the beginning of the film i'd probably listen to that like yeah, three times pretty, a day it's pretty damn great yeah. <laughs> um it just you know oh it's all so good i i just I don't know. Anytime, I, every time I watch it, I'm like, yeah, no, this is just fucking brilliant. It's like one of the most like, like comp, like uh, Isaac was uh, saying earlier, compact. It's so economical with everything, whether it be story, action, um, editing, uh, cinematography. It's like all, it's all feels so meticulous, even though it is so like. A lot of times when you watch meticulous movies or like movies that you like that ring like that word comes up in uh, in your head when you watch it. it's like oh it's very meticulously made like we talked about like the circle or the red circle which is like two hours and 20 minutes long but that's like one of the most meticulous made meticulously made movies i've ever seen every details in it they don't leave anything out um and that's what you kind of find with great movies is like there's exactly yeah it's just also economical with dread it's like the same thing but in a genre that that you wouldn't necessarily expect to have that word come to your mind where it's like it's all so detailed and meticulous and like uh, intentional mm-hmm. and it's crazy to hear stories of like how this was like you know how how much like the 
how it was on set, how like uh, Peter Travis, the listed director of this film, it was taken away from him, and like he was locked out of the editing room, or yeah, so like crazy this. stories like that. Who who knows which are completely true or not, but it all seems like Garland was actually the real director of the film. And even in the bonus features that I watched, it basically said that. Like, I watched a whole bunch of the bonus features on the on um, my 4K uh, Blu-ray, and I just humble brag. And it's not like there's not a ton, but there's like you know a decent amount of stuff. Like whether it be like the history of dread in comic books, the spe- the fesh- um, the visual effects journey, as in like what it took, uh, the process to with all the visual um, effects in this film, and like other like. Uh, ancillary stuff but you see i i watched all of those kind of like snippet or those um features and i saw peter travis once and anytime it wasn't peter travis and they're talking about like the origin of this film garland is mentioned he was apparently he's basically all of the actual like he storyboarded everything before travis came on he worked with the visual effects uh, the uh, the visual effects people way before Travis came on. Like, he's he was with this film from day one, and, was, like, it meticulously planned, like, each set piece and each visual styling and the atmosphere of the film and all the... Like, it, it's totally Garland. And so when mm-hmm. Urban, Carl Urban says, like, it was... It, it, he directed it, essentially. Yeah, I, I completely believe him. I, I You know, I, I believed him the first time, but just watching the special features, I was... Like, they barely... I, I don't think I heard someone that wasn't Peter Travis say... Or, like, someone... I maybe heard Peter Travis's name mentioned twice by peop, other people being interviewed. Like, yeah. the visual effects artists or um, producers or whatever. It's all Garland. I guess you can um, sort of look at it like how people say a movie is made three times. When it's being made... When it's being directed, when it's written, and when it's edited. And Garland yeah. just happened to make it a third time when it was, when it was edited. They focused way yeah. more time on, like, the the DP than Travis. Like the yeah. DP gets way more time in these special features that's, than that's Travis really does. Unusual, yeah. Um, it's crazy. I'm, I'm curious if you had any prior knowledge to to dread. Oh, the character. Um, yeah. I didn't. I didn't. I don't think I knew of the Stallone movie until like after I saw saw the um, Urban one for the first time. And I feel like I had some knowledge of the character because I was really into comic books when I was Yeah, because it's almost like you like... had to. Because, like, why wouldn't you go I never see Dread read... initially on Netflix? I've right? never... Like, I'm talking about the, the, the Stallone one, I, I guess. Like, maybe I'm just assuming. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I understand. I, I don't... Yeah, I don't think I've ever... Yeah, I just saw it on Netflix and I heard, like, mm. people say, oh, that movie's actually kind of good and I watched it. I, I don't think mm. it was anything more than that. Gotcha. I think I had some familiarity with Dread as in the comic book character because... Like, I would maybe see him on other covers of stuff, but I never read a Dread comic book. And I haven't even really read... I maybe read one or two issues of a Dread comic book even since I've watched this movie. And apparently they're great. Um, there's this whole... Uh, one of the special features I was talking about was, like, the history of Dread in comics and how, like... And how much of the... Blo- like, the life or the... Um, the meat of this movie is dedicated to those comics. Like, this is terrible political... Um, um, sharpness of the whole thing. It's like very much indebted to the original comic books, um, which is cool to hear. I still haven't read any of them. I don't. I don't know why I haven't. I just. I guess I just love this movie so much. It's just like it's such a perfect thing that I'm just like, why do I need anything else? Uh, even though I do want twenty more, twenty more sequels of these, uh, maybe fifty. Um, mm. I. I yeah. So it's like it's definitely. 
a movie that I talk about a lot as you know sometimes I think someone's asked me before if it's a bit like me like talking <laughs> about dread so much and then I'm like have you seen it and they're like no and I'm like well watch it and you'll know if it's a bit or not it's not a bit like this movie fucking rules you just have to you know you just have to kind of you can you can enjoy it in two different ways it's a it's such a like compact thrilling action movie with good performances or sort of a like diehard riff like structure yeah exactly yeah, yeah, and yeah. or it's like a complex like enthralling political film talking about basically fascism and police in this in policing system and basically the yeah. deterioration and carnage let let um a deterioration and carnage that the police uh Basically, how the police ruins communities, either mm. by over policing, under policing, or even like being there, like just in the there. sense of, like even if they're basically a cancer to society, um, it's it's also good. I love it. I, it I just love that someone would treat Dread the same way that Griffin and David from Blake Check would treat this would treat Sully. Like there, people are always like, "Is that a bit that they love cleansed with Sully so much?" Right, exactly. Yeah. No, I, I absolutely love Dread. I, it's one of my favorite movies. It's endlessly rewatchable and just, I don't know. It's, it's also just entertaining, but also like thought provoking. It's also in, like incredibly made. I mean, mm. to hear what like a lot of the like the visual effects artists and the DP like they re like they bas- the DP invented a new way to shoot 3D through this film wow. to make it like handheld. Uh, it was and they, so, had, it they was didn't so have cool like that big a budget anyway, right? It's... No, they didn't. And they apparently they keep hinting that it's like less than that's reported. At least that's what the visual effects artists say. But I'm, you know, who knows? Um, but like, yeah, and you know, use of it's so funny of like how little CG they actually use for exterior stuff. Like the buildings, like they just build kind of like they just build on top of actual real cities. Like they said, like South Africa um and like i think they said also australia where a lot of like where the exteriors were like the mega highways and all that they just added onto it they didn't like reinvent a city a a city and like they just added buildings and certain highways structures to it um Mm. it's all it's all just i i really do recommend the some of the features for this one especially like the visual effects one because they go into detail of you know slow-mo and all of that but they really did it took a lot of craft to get this done and you can see it just like the slow the slow motion scenes uh in itself is like visually stunning and also like something you don't really see exactly like that in film like not really it's like it's not the same slow motion that's in like the matrix or whatever it's not the same slow motion that's in any other like in a tony scott film or it's, it's like i'm not saying and i love those i love the matrix and i love tony scott but i'm saying it's a very much pointedly different um visual style than any other kind of slow motion uh since then and before then so i'm i i just yeah i'm endlessly passionate about this film and uh just can talk about it for days and it's also just fucking cool it's a cool movie where like a guy with a helmet shoots people like sometimes if you even go lizard brain to this shit it's awesome (laughs) and we're about to talk about it for days right now um i really really do wish that i had cool enough stories like you guys do um i'd always want to see this one like if you you guys know so you guys have this those certain titles that are on Mm -hmm. those that have been on your watch list for as long as you can remember this is one of those for me it really has It, it um, I mean, you certainly sang the praises for as long as I've known you, and it's always just been 
in my radar uh, for one reason or another. I think I've seen like clips of it. Like there's yeah. there's the shots of the end when uh, Dread takes Mama out, out of the the top floor, and it's just the mm. the glass is all the glass them. just kind of falling. Yeah. Down I think I've seen, like that shot's always stayed with me. Yeah, um, it's a good shot. But that's all I've <laughs> yes, and that's all I've known. Um, I went back and saw Judge Dread for this. A film I've good. never seen. I don't know it's if it's really I ever really will. bad. I think mm-hmm. we all knew this, but I confirmed with you guys. It's, um, it's just like it's just a goofball comedy, and it's like trying to balance um, like a buddy, uh, like a not a buddy cop, but it's uh, it's just like Rob Schneider and Celeste Stallone, like go like a road trip almost. Like they're trying, they they're set back a ways, and they're trying to get back to their home and that takes up a lot of what could have been uh really brilliant and that's the beginning of judge dread is really what we see perfected in dread um and it's and it's really 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 good it's a really really good remake i think what we've got to emphasize as well um yeah no yeah like you just to reemphasize what you guys are saying like it's just uh pretty extraordinary uh fires on all cylinders um, I, it's it's a little bit like scratching the same itch that uh, the Raid and Fury Road do. Um, just mm. incredibly watchable while also being highly philosophical. It's like a yeah. pretty nice balance to strike. I agree. I I think it's you know the stuff about I agree with a lot of what you guys are saying about Dread, and I I think it's really notable as both an adaptation of like a comic book and a pre-existing character and it's just like a sci-fi action film in general that like you know the film really is very grounded and it's very focused uh and it doesn't feel this pressure that remakes often do to be you Mm -hmm. know the bigger like more splashy kind of hollywood version of something that came before like you mentioned Um, robocop and that's a that's a good example of just two years later yeah you get this like totally the same point well yeah i mean i i actually am one of those few people who likes the 2014 robocop remake uh just because i i feel like it takes a different tack that Mm-hmm. sort of works which is you know to take this setup of like a futuristic cop um and kind of fit it into a more modern political discussion about drone warfare and kind of the outsourcing of morality to machines whereas like the first one was very much embroiled in that like industrial hellscape that was to do so much yeah reaganomics yeah. and that whole kind of discussion of uh of policing that i i don't think that you could make a RoboCop remake that actually works in modern times, but I felt True. like what what Jose Padilla did with that remake was just very much do a version of it that worked better for 2014. And I think people kind of didn't really know what to make of that. I don't think it's a perfect film, but I think there's a good intention there that I like more than kind of the the mimicry that people often get up to in remakes. Uh, and with Dread, it's, you know, it's similar, you know, this is a movie that is adapting the comics and is adapting the character, but is not kind of telling one of those comic book storylines. It is doing like a more ride along day in the life 
mm-hmm. kind of story about like you know what dread in mega city one is all about and what that character would do just kind of in the line of duty and you get so much from you get so much mileage out of that setup because it just really allows like both you jack and you clay and said uh it allows the production to really focus on creating this small-scale environment with futuristic touches. Uh, the slow-motion effects that they do for the drug that's being passed around, this, like, one kind of tenement building called Peach Trees is is a huge part of that. I think that the way uh, that effect works, I, I, you know, I was struck by it again watching the film last night. It's dazzling. I mean, you know, the way so that it because it is visual effects augmented of course i mean slow motion that they've brought cgi into and they've brought different kinds of techniques into it that you can kind of tell you know they were made on computer but it doesn't really matter because the camera just kind of luxuriates in those shots like the entire movie that is a very kind of aggressive gritty pedal to the metal movie um slows down you know with the with the drug and to show that that kind of impact and you get this moment of tranquility and almost beauty in the carnage because of the of the innovation that they're doing with the slowing down of everything that you're seeing um you know i i think that in many ways uh clay you were talking about the director credit on dread being kind of a contentious point Mm -hmm. um i remember that you know Pete Travis and Alex Garland kind of addressed that at the time by releasing this statement about it being kind of an, I think they said unorthodox or off kilter collaboration between them where it wasn't the typical director writer relationship, which makes sense to me because, you know, I think, you know, to get a movie like this financed um, where, you know, it's working with a pre-existing comic property it could start a franchise for the studio. I understand why they might not want to give that to someone making their first film as like a feature first time director. Uh, but Garland, you know, had been involved with Dread since like, I think five years prior. Yeah, like he'd been, been working on the script yeah. for for a long time. Like, you know, he knew the character and he knew the film that he wanted to make. Um, and I think, you know, a lot of sacrifices and a lot of trade-offs are made in the process of financing a film. Uh, and Pete Travis coming on board as the director, I think, you know, we can't really know for sure how much that he did on set. I'm sure that right. he contributed quite a great deal. But um, the fact that Garland had such a strong vision for the property, I think, also it lends credence to those ideas that this could have been considered in some ways his first film uh, before Ex Machina and before Annihilation. And when you look at it in that way, you do see things like the use of the slow motion to create that um, that that kind of sense of beauty and carnage. Um, I think that that is something that is very consistent across Garland's work. He is very much someone who is entranced and um, enamored of these science fiction concepts as much as he wants to explore a kind of the philosophical ideas of them. And, you know, I think that that in some ways as well is not really the movie that probably financiers wanted Dread 3D to be. Uh, yeah. When, you know, you're approaching a movie like this as like an action movie that is gritty, as violent, as rated R, it's kind of like, you know, you can make it rated R 
or you can make it philosophical and weighty and beautiful, but you can't do both. You know, you have to pick right. one or the other to like get the movie seen and get the movie um, to some sort of financial recoupment, which I'm not sure if Dread actually did. I think it made a little bit under what it had cost to make at the box office. Um, but, you know, I think that that yeah, all feeds into it all feeds into that discussion of dread as a movie that um is much better than it had any right to be and in many ways is a much better movie than the one that was probably greenlit um, um yeah and and uh i have it right here that it made 27 mil outside of uh, the u.s and mm-hmm. um in the u.s it made 13 mil but, um, and it costs yeah. like 30 40 like how 50. much how much did it cost 50. it cost 50 to make wow yeah yeah so yeah not a hit and you know that probably explains why we haven't seen a sequel um but i i think that... yeah and that's always been its legacy that's what i've always known too is that yeah it, it was flop. just unmar that was just unmarketable um which is sort of you know unfortunately crazy. something well, else we brought up during annihilation because, right yeah yeah i yeah. mean that's the thing with with um garland's films though is that they do have such a visual beauty to them yeah and like didn't sunshine in um, the beach also not do well either like i can't confirm but it's like i i, I the beach did not for sure i don't know about yeah. sunshine the beach i'm pretty sure flopped mm-hmm. yeah i i don't think sunshine made money either ex machina i'm pretty sure made money though that was yeah, that's it's, his it's one, one of, hit and it's a24 one of a24 was pretty happy versus, about that one yeah Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and I think that A twenty four is a good. I, I'm I'm sure that Garland, I, I think his next movie, which is called Men, yeah, I the one with Jesse Buckley, it. yeah, yeah, and I, that one's with A twenty four, and I think that mm-hmm. that's maybe the right place for Garland because he is someone whose vision of science fiction is very philosophical, is very character driven, mm-hmm. and is very, very poetic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cere- cerebral, poetic. Those kinds of words come to mind talking about him. And I, I don't think that studios really invest in science fiction that feels like that uh, all the time at the budget that you might need to make it. And I, I think the Dread is interesting to look at in terms of doing a lot with a little. Um, that really is the mantra of the whole production. I mean, from Urban's performance, you know, as Clay mentioned, under the helmet, just being so um magnetic and so uh intimidating despite showing so little of his features like he really becomes this uh embodiment of the law and in in a way that i think is great just you know the way that uh garland writes that in in the film and the way that urban performs it is this guy who um he is so committed to this and he kind of is is unwavering and unquestioning but uh, there, there's this scene really early on where Olivia Thirlby, who's playing like his, who's great in this, that was really she's, taken. oh she's she's fantastic. I I think she's a great actress and she's great for that role. Underrated uh, playing, yeah. playing Judge Anderson, like she is a psychic, and she's like you know I'm seeing like this. Um, I can't remember the exact line in it, but she's like I'm seeing this um, like walls of like you know. Uh, subsur- or do you remember the line Clay where she's um, like kind of sizing up dread? So she, so like who's in the um, the officer or not the officer, but like the boss of the chief judge or whatever asks who's in the room with me. Um, uh, basically, she's like uh, a judge, someone who is like 
anger but controlled but there's something behind that control that's like and then she like looks concerned um yeah and, yeah and she's and, like that's and, enough and the chief justice cuts her off and yeah you know i i think that you know it's a shame that we didn't get to see this explored in some ways but i think that garland was kind of planting in this that you know this is a guy who has committed his entire life to a totalitarian brutish, he's a fascist uh, fascist uh line of work and has doubts about that i think that you know she's gonna say that um i'm not sure that he totally buys this behind all of the anger and control right um i think that you know there's some doubt in his dread and and you see that in really subtle ways throughout this small setup of them of dread and anderson these two judges uh just being stuck in peach trees in the in this one like tenement housing unit and seeing the trickle down effect of having fascist control like on a small scale they're seeing this drug empire turn people into savages ensure everyone's deaths uh because there's no other alternatives for people who live in that system um and in that way it's a really beautiful kind of crucible for dread as a character because he's seeing um you know in mama in this person who has risen to the top this scarred and hideous person who is is evil for what she does to everyone else but it's the kind of evil that he recognizes it's a very much an evil of control through fear that maybe reminds him a little bit too much of what he represents as this long she, arm yeah of the she, it, i, there, I, I love the watch... backstory that they that they give mama to it's like the yeah. scars and her yeah face. like you can definitely tell there's was this was this lena hetty before game of thrones or during no or... during it's during it was during yeah she's she's fantastic in a as this mm. you know very I believe they said one point prostitute before character going up to yeah she uh, it, she yeah. she's a prostitute who uh killed her pimp uh in a uh gnarly way um that uh, is also like basically there there's a i on the dvd or the 4k the one of the featurettes is uh a motion comic basically they just like show like the uh, uh it's a pre it's a prequel that shows some of her backstory it's not very good it's kind of boring but basically it's, it just illustrates that you know she that she's driven you know to like basically not be used as a as a object anymore and wants to in like strives for power um, sure uh, but i wanted to speak real quickly to the kind of duality you're kind of speaking to isaac because that was the biggest thing that hit me this watch it's kind of realize that i mean there's a there's a line at the end where you know they bust through her compound they're at like the final room she says dread you're a piece of work but i am too and even and it's like it's kind of like a that line is in like every action movie ever but it speaks to it to this movie in particular because it does feel true because like at the end of the day what has dread what what has she done that dread hasn't like mm. the amount of people he's like like unarmed people he's probably murdered just because they you know it's like oh that's the law and he just executes them in cold blood the like basically re how reckless he is with other people's lives i mean he doesn't give two fucking shits about, re about really saving people he says he does but like you look how in when he chases those three guys off who were on drugs that crashed 
and there are the the one guy who uh, gets out of the car and goes towards the mall you don't even seem like sprinting or anything he's just kind of like he's just like slow not slowly but kind of like walking gingerly and just just to like approach everything and like he and that that guy kills like two or three people in that mall and he's then you know and then he of course tries to bargage uh or not bargage i can't speak bargain with uh his ho- <laughs> with the hostage bargage that's a great new word um bargain with uh his uh, by taking a hostage and he and like dread doesn't think twice about like oh maybe i should negotiate with him or whatever he just kills him he's like okay whatever like he easily could have uh it you know th- when you're watching this on the surface level and you're just like engage like engaging that lizard brain part of yourself like oh that was cool you won't you, you think just like oh he just knew he was like he was that good and and that just shows how much of a badass he is but if you look at it it's like he he didn't know i mean he said yeah. maybe but like there's no real per, like real con- confirmation that that would have happened the way he like that the way he saw it happening i, I mean it did happen that way but who fucking knows? There's, it's, it's so, it could have been so easily like one, it, it's like one second um, later, and that woman would be dead. That's um, a good way to put it, because your brain, at least for myself, is reacting to all this so instinctually by the the like primal sensory driven <clears throat> part, and you're like, oh, so fucking rad. This is so right. good. Oh, he's tearing through all these people. Uh, just like you, because. To see someone do their job so well, getting from point A to point B is like incredibly satisfying. Um, but then you trigger the other side of your brain, um, thinking about the implications. Like, how did he know that morality. was going to happen exactly like, how it did? I mean, there's no yeah. way he had to have. There's some doubt. He's not a perfect person. Like he and you see how much carnage he lets in his lets in this way, and how he gambles with Peach Tree's life just because he's kind of angry. Because he yeah, he, and I and I I like that he likes to think that he's heartless, even though there is some moments of of humor, and um, it's also explored a little bit more in uh, Judge Dredd. But it's it's the idea that he tries to bury those emotions to be a better cop, right? Right. Which very yeah. timely. And, and it, you know, there is this like damning element to his character, where you know the reason that Thurlby um, fails her examination isn't because of the number of people that she kills in in peach trees it isn't anything to do with the body count that they leave the reason that she fails her examination that they're on is because someone disarms her for a minute and she is you know she's captured and that's like the one thing that you can't do as a cop is be uh is be the one not holding the gun Right. You know, it's it's like the only thing that allows them to have order is for right. them to be the ones holding the weapons. And that's kind of the truth of policing in this world that is so violent and dangerous is just that, you know, the only thing that kind of separates executioners and judges like this kind of long arm of the law, the only thing that really separates them from other people in that world is that they're the ones with the guns and like mm-hmm. they're the one with like the weight of the of the establishment and the institutions behind them um are you are you hearing me by the way i'm yes. using airpods for this and no I worries yeah no we hear sound. you we hear you just fine okay 
It's, it seems like I have battery. I don't know what that strange sound was, but but anyway, been there, uh, been there. Yeah, something. You 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 unnerved me, Jack. You talked at the beginning before we started to record. Jack was telling me about his experiences with AirPods, and now I'm I'm a new AirPod owner. I gave so this now, to you. Yeah, I'm now anxious. Uh, um, but yeah, <laughs> no, I, I I I do feel like you know dread has so much i just wish that... that we'd go back to airpods with wires i wish yeah. they'd make those yes i i also i i feel this way as well um one day apple will devolve um but you know i i do i do i do just uh with dread just like to kind of to cap that that topic of, of kind of the way that the police exist in this world i i do feel like garland working on this script for as long as he did he basically had to synthesize this entire world that he had created and all of these different versions of the story that he had thought about telling into a script that wasn't showing any of it on the surface really that you know was just very much dropping you in to this one cycle this one like you know this one day that he has uh and i think that you know it doesn't do everything like it doesn't kind of go into the comic direction of it setting up you know dreads nemesis who is like judge death i think in the uh in the comics like a somehow even more brutal and evil cop um or like twisted in some sort of way like it doesn't go in that direction of establishing other main characters in the comic but i think you still very much get like the tone of dread like the the kind of satirical elements of let's take it's funny because you know Dread is in some ways coming out in 2012 um, guilty of some of the stuff that I dislike about comic book movies for the most part, like including like the gravelly, like kind of Clint Eastwood kind of voice. That's also right. very Christian Bale and Batman, very right. Jackie Earl Haley and uh, Watchmen um, and has elements of that, but I don't mind them in, in dread because I think that mm. the way that the film works um is is very much like a ride along where you're not having to understand more than you need to know in any respect about the characters i think that you know with so many comic book adaptations there's this tendency to try to fit all of these different elements of a character into the screen in some way whether it be that through like an annoying series of easter eggs for purists or Mm you know just the the way that the plot is written in some way just serves to underline things that people already knew about the character right um you never you never really feel like that with dread uh because so much of it becomes like a more kind of universal struggle to survive between these two cops and an entire building of people who want to kill them um at a certain point you know, the comicness of it just goes out the window and it just becomes, you know, a, a gritty post-apocalyptic actioner. Mm-hmm. Um, I, and I know that, you know, this was in production around the same time as the Raid Redemption, which we mentioned earlier. Um, and, and so it wasn't, you know, intentionally doing that. But I think you can look at the the quality of both of those films and see a commonality in, in the way that, you know, telling these very con- confined, uh, very action-driven, very physical, very kind of, um, I would say, like, just kind of brutally focused 
stories yeah. in, in action. Like, you know, they, they, they cut away all of the fat. Like there's really nothing, um, like there's really nothing but that, that atmosphere, that story and this like to these two central characters that you're following, like there, mm -hmm. it, it doesn't really make a fuss. And this is also maybe a reason that the studio uh, didn't want Garland to direct it and what it ended up doing anyway. It's just like, you know, he has no interest, I don't think, in making it like a huge franchise-launching film. There is not set up in Dread in a way that I really enjoy because, you know, you get that line at the beginning with um, Judge Anderson questioning whether something's kind of happening under the surface with Dread right. uh, and whether he's maybe questioning his programming a little bit. Um, and you get that towards the end, it, like it pays off this dramatic arc of his relationship with Anderson, where he passes her despite her technically failing because he sees something in her that's like and a he's... more, yeah, it's like it's a more passionate and it's in a more innate response to her her work as, as they've been trying to survive together. That you know is not very dread like of him to pass right. her. You know, um, he's breaking and, the law. And, He's like yeah. breaking the rules. Like the rules are in his blood and he's breaking. I mean, it's, it's such a perfect thing because it's also like the beginning of the arc is him saying is like, is uh, the chief judge saying, Oh, you know, like it was only a three, she was only like 3% uh, below the passing grade. It was marginal. And he's like, no, she failed. Like he's so it's like, again, black and white. That's all he is. And that's how every yeah. writer Good who's and ever evil. worked on him right. has put him as maybe besides the Stallone movie I have never seen it but it is so like it, he's so focused on being black and white these are the rules you're breaking the law he says the same fucking thing to um uh what's his name uh Lex the uh, the corrupt judge you know how you know what how much does it cost to betray the law you know he talks about it like it's a fucking person um, and you know you're betraying the law like it's the greatest sin someone could ever commit and he betrays the fucking law by lying to the most like powerful judge in the world i think i don't know i don't know the hierarchy or don't know the uh corporate ladder of the uh, justice system uh, but it's true like it's just he it's a it's it's such a it's such a perfectly it's not this crazy overdramatic like you know he doesn't go through this like physical and emotional transformation throughout the entire film there's no like peaks and valleys it is just a clear cut fucking character arc yeah that's so that's yeah. done so well and told via you know told via plot dialogue and also visually it's just like ugh, sorry sorry i just i like, think that, that, that's the, i may have i may i may have said something about this on annihilation episode but garland has always been a very blunt writer but that doesn't mean he's he's trying to beat you over the head with an idea. He just like st I think the wording of the blunt ideas are exceptional, and that translates to here. I think then, he doesn't fuck around. Well, I think what I'm That's saying is perfected in Ex Machina, but mm -hmm. um, but here I think that that just goes along with what you're saying. But he doesn't sacrifice that blunt, like he doesn't sacrifice character in that bluntness, which is very yeah, brilliant yeah. about him. Yeah. Like, there's ne it, it, it's crazy how how fully. And I think all that's also amplified are. to the nth degree in Devs, where it's just everything is like soliloquies and poetry, and but it's all just nothing is hidden from you. It's all like, but it's all just to like let you make your own decisions about the ideas presented. But 
Yeah. Nothing is secret. Yeah. I am thrilled that someone else watched Devs. I like, I thought I was the only one. I haven't finished it. I There's more like of the us. There's three. more of us. I watched like there the first two or three episodes, then I fell off. There's yeah. dozens, right? It was good though. <laughs> like, you have... I just I, yeah. it took a lot. It took a lot for me to like actually like sit down and focus on it. So I needed to rewatch it. And yeah. I, it I, was also the the timing in which it came out was kind of rough. That's it's, right. It's a shame because you know I think Devs is and, and yes it it wasn't really a hit. It did come out while people were a little bit distracted with other things going on in the world. Maybe a few. Um, what are you talking about? A, what happened? Like, yeah, March 2020? Huh. No, I, man, weird. I don't know. Yeah, I don't remember. Nothing, I, nothing. I, no, no idea. Completely blank spot for me, too. I, it, but, you know, Devs is interesting because it is, you know, the Alex Garland show. Like, he wrote right. and directed all eight episodes of it. Um, and there are some exceptional, exceptional moments in that series that I'll go to bat for. I think like the episode openings are terrific in a really exciting way for him. Like, you know, great you soundtrack. Get, like, a, yeah. Yeah. Amazing soundtrack. You know, um, you get like a free song in there. I'm, I'm happy. You know, I think that that, uh, the show, but the show ultimately does kind of tie it up itself up in exactly what you're talking about, Jack, which is this desire to, make everything grand make everything existential and you know have characters really driving this weighty uh, metaphysical and very kind of um quite like you know question of like predetermination and technological versus like human force like in the universe like there's this really big debate that's going on in devs uh, which is like, you know, wait, it's too complicated, I think, to explain in this podcast yeah. everything yeah. that that show is about. But like, he ends up just giving the characters dialogue that's expressing a lot of these uh, debates about free will and determinism in a way that's very not dramatically compelling, ultimately. I feel like, you know, there's, and you know, there are other kind of problems with it with pacing and just, I think, maybe trying to do. I, I think, you know, Debs could have been an, an exceptional movie with a lot left on the cutting room floor, but I don't think that there is enough in it to really drive a compelling TV show because you need, like, momentum to do that, which this show just had, like, a lot of kind of exposition and a lot of kind of difficulty, I think, explaining what it was about to anyone. I feel like I had a really awesome conversation every Wednesday Mm-hmm. but yeah yeah there was no con there, there was conflict it was just quiet um and, and i think uh it was more than five episodes maybe eight but if it was five or like four i think that could have been the sweet spot i think it would have been an exceptional kind of and it is a mini series but you know yes i think that you know it, it could have been five hours it could have been six um but it did drag a bit too much. I also am not convinced Nick Offerman was the right choice for it. Um, Interesting. I, you know, I, I, or, and, you know, honestly, I hate to say this, but uh, Sonoya Mizuno, the lead actress, and it didn't do much for me either. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, that's, you know, yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Uh, but, you, you know, I, I think she's that, a very you know, particular act, yeah. like performer. Yeah. I think that Garland is fascinating. I love his big ideas. I love that he's continuing to find ways to sneak them into other movies and into 
into these science fiction stories. Like I, I find that all to be. Oh, Alison Pill is incredible in it, though. I, I do. Yeah. Alison she, Pill is very yeah. good. She's in great that in show. everything. Yeah. Um. But yeah, no, I, I, I do feel like Garland's his best work may still be to come. I mean, I think Annihilation is as close to a classic as he's made. And I, I think that movie is terrific and it's a favorite of mine, but I, I do think that once he kind of reaches the peak of his powers as, as a creator, I, and I, I mean, it could even be this next movie, men that he's making of a 24 with, you know, Jesse Buckley. Um, I, I think that that is going to be, it's going to be a must watch for me absolutely but i do i do hope he's learned something from you know a lot of these different projects that he's made like dread and annihilation and devs that haven't really fully landed but just have so much interesting uh brilliant stuff in them um i want him to find the right vehicle to take that kind of um to take that to the next level i want him to do kind of what he did with ex machina but in a way that i don't know i i'm i'm running into inarticulacy around this particular part of his stuff but i do i think that ex machina is a terrific uh bottled film kind of in the right. same way that dread is it, it, it right. kind of does it has this very confined setting uh, that drives the story as much as of any as much as any of the ideas in it. Like the world that that movie takes place in is so much a part of its entire thing, its entire kind of questioning of like artificiality and you know human versus machine. Um, Some I of my favorite production I, design ever. Yeah, nice yeah, it, it's yeah. it's fantastic. It, it's a beautiful looking movie. Uh, it's a favorite of my girlfriend's as well. I, mm. you know, and we and we talk about that just because it's like. You know, it has, it, it just has so much go, going for it, you know, in, in terms of the way that the, uh, those performances are exploring so much interesting stuff around like deceit and, and, you know, whether or not they're aware of how, uh, of who they are or who they are to other people. Um, I, I really enjoy that that focus of it i think it's a terrific movie but I, I did love that with annihilation he kind of you know say that ex machina he's kind of chugging along like annihilation he just like veers off the road and goes crashing into the undergrowth and right. i love i love the big swing of that and i think dev is, is devs is another form of that big swing that doesn't fully work um i think the beach is like that for me too where it's like a, yeah. a pretty shaky adaptation of the novel but it yeah it mm -hmm. i don't i don't really know what it's trying to do uh granted it's like early in his writing career but it's, yeah yeah that's kind of what i mean like i see the projects getting better 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 and slash mm -hmm. like you know devs at least like at least like more ambitious in terms mm -hmm. of form and in terms of the ideas that's approaching yeah. so yeah. so i so i really do feel like there's gonna be a lot kind of going on there I mean, you know, devs, devs is short for development. Maybe it was a test run for him or something. <laughs> yeah. that's, that's a good one. Um, um, I really do yeah, love the I flavor think... of sci-fi this is. Like, if you told me this was yeah. in the same universe as District 9 or, or Looper, right. like I would, yeah, I I would got, buy yeah. into that. Um, filmed like, in very similar humanity. areas. Like it was, Johannesburg was filmed, at least so it was both South African productions. 
you scouted that out, right? Like you you went there. Yes, hundred percent. I've circled it. I've all. I live in South Africa. I don't know how people don't know this already. (laughs) There's a Portland, South Africa. It's true. Yes. Um, I, I just you know where I feel as though we're at this stage in in those movies that I compared um, Dread to, uh, humanity is about to collapse. It's at the brink of collapse, and like uh, law enforcement and morality is just shifting a little bit to where people are going crazy. Right. <laughs> um, a little bit like the first Mad Max, but um, yeah. Lesser first than. mad the first mad max is actually a great comparison because it's like that's not when it's all desert yet like it, it's the mad max the jump from mad max one to two will never not be insane to it's be incredible. honest no one really talks it's about incredible. it because yeah, right. it's crazy it goes from like yeah he like you know he goes to like a farm at he one lost point, his wife and kids like, yeah yeah he hangs yeah. out at like, like a gas station he goes to buildings <laughs> And then in like the second one, it's like all is desert. There's no more water. <laughs> There's this Everything guy named is... Lord Humongous. You know, we're going. You're yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> it's so it's it's so funny. But like, um, but no, the, yeah, the first one is like, it's the. But in the first one, his baby plays a saxophone. What? <laughs> I remember that. Why does that um, happen? In the first one, and like in that first movie, it's like it's the future, but it doesn't really feel like the future. Still, like kind of feels like the present. And of course, this is a little. Yeah. This is much different. But there, it's not like there. You never see like this crazy communicator. You never see like this hologram phone. You never see like this insane piece of technology. If anything, the only real techno the technological advancement that's crazy is maybe his gun and the buildings. But even the buildings are kind of like yeah, it's a building. And and Um, it's sort of the aesthetic that I think of again with the Robocop remake, where everything is very sleek and shiny and has this aesthetic of futuristic that is very early 2010s that we uh, projected into what landscapes would look like decades from now only in decades from now humanity is falling apart right and in, in, like the visual yeah. effects artists were partic- like very particular about like how futuristic it is and they're like we don't want utopia that's like the one the one thing we definitely don't want and we don't want this to have such future technology where you kind of disconnect from its reality where you kind of like oh it's like they're having hologram phones or there's like vr systems and you know all everyone has like uh you know like uh, face changers or whatever like it's not like that it's you know there's no like in my use mentioned minority reports like where there's like this whole like no one drives a car anymore, not really, because it's all on, like, this rail system. Um, like, they want, they were pointedly like, no, let's make sure that it is still within the realm of possibility, but still in the future. Like, we'll add, like, adjustments to it. We'll make it, like, we'll just supersize things. We'll supersize highways. We'll supersize, you know, um, uh, buildings. We'll make things more, like, gritty and kind of uglier, but it still feels like the future. We'll just add some neon to it. We'll have this bike this bike's kind of like it's all it's like the most sleekest thing in the movie but it's mm-hmm. still just like a bike you know it doesn't hover or anything yeah. and it has like a voice it's a little guns. bit like um nolan's dark knight trilogy that he just visions gotham just chicago you know it's it, right it's more or less um something that's so familiar and not heightened at all it's, um, exactly and they wanted yeah, to make yeah. and because i feel like because then you kind of lose the tactility of it you lose like the texture of it if it's so sleek and so futurized where you just like I don't even know how that feels. I don't even understand how that that could relate to me as a person. 
I've never, like, I've never touched, like, you know, like, a, 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 a I don't know, what's a future thing? Like, a hoverboard or whatever. Like, I've never handled that. Like, that's, I have Flying no, cars, I have no frame right, of reference. Yeah. <laughs> like, or a teleporter or whatever. Um, so, but, like, no, this, like, this building has elevators. It has, like, a, a security cameras. It has, like, a control system. Yeah. Yes, like, the blast doors are kind of, like, crazy, but, like, that's... But what are they're just like fucking like metal doors that come down, like there's no. Crazy I think we mentioned shit. something similar uh, when we did Blade Runner twenty forty nine that the sci fi vision for that is um, it's it's so specific. It, it everything is so dirty and and lived in. Right. Um, yeah, we can see L A. looking like, like that. nothing works yeah. right. Yeah. <laughs> it's all kind of just like it all is like kind of piece together. I mean like him with like joy, it's like that machine's just kind of like, yeah, I just got to change out the battery and just like put another thing in and it's on this wheeling system. It's like it's not crazy. Mhm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah, this thing's this thing's pretty good. <laughs> I think this um, could sustain a TV show if not a sequel. Yeah, I mean, there's been rumors just thinking, of the just TV thinking show. about the uh, world building, world building a little bit more. Yeah, exactly. I mean, the comics they go far more into that. In the comics, it's more like it's even way it's like way more heightened and satirical. Like, it, I don't know if mm. you've ever seen the actual picture of Dread in the comics, but he has so like on his mm. like right shoulder is like, and that might be in the Judge Dread movie, but it's like an eagle, like a golden eagle. Uh, yeah, like, it is. It is in it. Yeah. Yeah, so it's like it yeah. goes a little crazier into that realm, um, and it, it it's like they're like the mutants are crazier, like they have um, like arms on their heads, and it's you know it's like it's definitely it the world building gets more um, extravagant. Like apparently there's this storyline that's celebrated where he goes across, like he leaves Mega City One and goes across the irradiated uh, America, dealing with all these kind of different mutants and creatures and things. It's like. It, it, it even though like the core like com- like political commentary satirical nature and, and like its comment on policing a lot of that is still like in those comic books but they're just taken to like this like more extreme ends of you know like um uh, uh, sur- uh like uh, reality um mm. in fiction so it's like it's really uh it, it it i feel like that when i watch this movie and i and what i know from the character and how writers talk about it and how like comic book writers and or like people who appreciate the character talk about it. I'm like, this is really like a crystallization of it. It's not like this is not this is like the best representation of who Dread is. Not like it's not it's not going to cover all of the kind of styles and characterizations that Dread has gone throughout the years, whether it be in the comic books or in that Judge Dread movie or any other fucking thing. It's like it, it it's just like this like the best like you know we you put it you just take everything that is like the thirty five years of Dread. Would you say it's definitive? I. Yes, I mean, as a, someone who's not maybe the biggest Dread fan, as in, like, the character overall and his backstory, I still, but from what I know from the character and just what, right, and how writers speak about him, it is. It's, like, it has all of those elements. It's just, it's just, like, pared down to, like, be its, like, most blunt, as we talked about earlier with Garland's writing. It's its most blunt, and it's most, like, um, they strip away all of the, like, ne- the unnecessary extremities and the, um, mm. like, design elements like it's all so just bare and this is what it is this is who dread is this is the world he lives in this is the fascism that he like um expect like the fascism he uh propagates through his policing this is like the kind of like 
how he's like like basically a villain or like a monster who all but has this like strict sense of morality and here's like it, it's all just so you know it in uh, i feel like i'm over talking myself as in like i'm talking faster than my mind can keep up but it's truly <laughs> just one of those films that i feel like has so much going for it and is like in so much going for it in the sense of like how like all the things that are leading to it whether it be garland's career garland's interests or dreads like arc in uh media and basic in comics and like his representation throughout the years before this film and urban like all of these things are kind of coming to a head into this film and the visual effects mm. artists and their interests um another thing i wanted to note that garland apparently it was a very gracious cal- um collaborator from the beginning like he worked with the visual spec- effects team like suit like on equal terms like he wasn't like a brad bird or like uh, or, or whatever sure. other right, director right. was like okay. no you need to do it this way and that way like it was like, very much he was bouncing ideas off of them he let them kind of go crazy for certain things um it, it seemed like at the beginning at least it was actually a pretty fun movie to make and then i don't and it, then they get into the uh, they then they don't really talk about how it was like during the middle of actually filming things it's all a lot about like the previs stuff and storyboarding and that kind of thing yeah, yeah, it is and, really cool to hear like everyone's careers culminating at this one point in 2012. Because um, then, like with those kind of projects, it yeah, like you would expect that to be a hit since everybody lines up at the right trajectory, and it's and I think it just adds to the weirdness. Well, the theatrical trailer is so bad. I watched it that, before. That I watched too, it for the but, first time. It's horrible. That makes sense. That get that makes sense in, in the narrative that this is un, unmarketable. But but yeah, it just you would you would expect with these kind of ingredients that this would be one of the most celebrated comic book movies of the decade and not the most failed commercially. Right. Yeah, it's like I think that you know if Garland does kind of continue to expand and you know make more films that are you know science fiction classics in the same way. You know, it's a shame because Annihilation what an amazing movie that should have been such a huge hit. And to this day, like, you know, when we talk about unmarketable movies, that movie had a screen bear. It had Natalie Portman. It had gorgeous visual effects. It was good. Like, I'm like, how do you not market that? Like, I love how you said screen bear first. It's so fucking funny. Yeah. Before yeah I mean, you know, <clears throat> think about like, think about how to sell something and salisbury mean, sell- score like why, why yeah. didn't the salisbury heads line up yeah dun, like sell, dun, dun, sell dun. it sell it as sci-fi horror which is what it is and you know right. attract that horror crowd and like you know market it because you know he made a movie that i think you know was doing so much and will be remembered in as a classic i think eventually it will be reappraised in that light because i think that there is yeah. just so much going on in annihilation that it will the critical acclaim for that movie will maybe eventually even surpass that of ex machina which got an oscar nomination for its script and oscar win yeah for the visual effects yeah for the visual effects yes for the visual effects yes um but and you know for garland's vision i think that you know he um he is a filmmaker who will be kind of reappraised you know even more so than i would say someone like Paul W.S. Anderson, who actually has mm. a certain critical disreputability around his stuff. And it's like, you know, I think an incredible director of action, like, you know, he 
is getting that kind of reappraisal right now. I think that like as Garland's body of work continues, people will eventually go back into the archives and look at Dread again, like we are, um, and note the ways in which it is a very kind of thoughtful, philosophical, political uh, film. You know, and also it, disguises itself in genre. Yeah, and I think that you know that's the thing is that it's disguised in genre, but it's also an exceptionally good genre film. Like right. I think Garland Garland knows this stuff well enough that he can work something in there that's really intelligent, that's really thought provoking, uh, really difficult in some ways. You know, I think that you know Dread's tensions of like you know being focused on these fascistic cops who are shooting up a building of lower kind of income you know uh kind of impoverished people who are like you know many of them addicts i think that you have to have a certain awareness of what you're doing with with that storyline and i think that garland takes the right tack by leaning into the fact that this is a dystopian society and you know dread and the judges are by no means heroes you know they are you know these uh very kind of impersonal brutal um callous uh enforcers of an unjust society and i i think that you know in in the same way that ex machina is questioning you know what it means to be alive and what it means to be sentient and the limits of that uh i think dread is questioning uh the the whole idea of a hero cop you know right. like what what does that mean like in any society let alone this swap where the person where someone can kill with impunity and is really justified in doing that like you know in a lot of ways the only thing that separates dread from a lot of you know i don't know if i want to lean into to this kind of comparison but you know the the whole kind of conversation around police brutality right now right um is very much like you know, Dread is in some ways a fascist daydream, you know, a an incredibly lethal, trained, autonomous death dealer who keeps everyone in line. Um, <laughs> and I think that, you know, the fact that we don't despise him speaks to the fact that, you know, Urban is this guy um, who is bringing a certain amount of both kind of diligence to this profession and like a devout quality to him. And then kind of undercutting and also gravitas that as well. at the same time. Yeah. yeah. And, and and like a gravitas where he's like as aware as anyone in the movie that what he is doing is really fucked up. And what he like his whole kind of calling is something that does so much more harm than good and precipitates a lot of the violence in the film. Um and, and, and also you know, worth I, mentioning, yeah. like yeah. um Dread looks a lot like some police dressed in armor that we saw last summer yeah like, and that was a very pointed yeah. that was pointed design on the element like they talk about how like we wanted to like like riot cops of this day kind of like we since now policing is so militarized like we we didn't have to look too hard into like figuring out like an inspiration for this because it's very much not the regular uniform in the comics like the uniform in the comics is like a suit and like you know like like a, a you know your police blues or your navy blues or whatever they call it but it's like mm -hmm. it, it's, it's a lot more toned down in judge dread yeah too. it's like yeah. cloth this is like body yeah. armor and it looks a lot like you know it's like a motorcycle helmet but it looks a lot like a riot shield and like uh riot gear and stuff like that yeah no it's they're very yeah. 
aware of um, that idea. Um, but to talk about, um, like, sometimes, like, when I watch this, I'm like, oh, is Dread kind of, like, sadistic? Like, even though, like, you don't necessarily see, like, just the gratification he gets out of, like, dispelling justice sometimes. Even though he do he's not, like, he doesn't say, oh, that was great or whatever. But, like, when he pushes Mama off the, le like, off the, um, off the balcony at the end, it cuts back to him and he's like, yeah. And it's like, one, you murdered a woman. Two, you just gambled with 75,000 people's lives because you were like, I bet this won't trigger, I bet she'll live long enough to get crushed and it won't trigger a massive bomb like he he had he's so reckless he's so aggressive and he's so like he's so pure of heart in the sense of that he just will like i i i know this is kind of like this film I, i'm gonna bring up a film that you know i know a lot of people don't want to talk about right now because it's kind of like over talked about but in the suicide squad there's a character named peacemaker and he's very much like that idea of like American uh, militarism. And he's like, you know, his, his whole shtick, like the, like the joke of that film uh, is that he, you know, I think at one point he says, I'll kill any man, woman or child to like maintain peace or whatever. And uh, he's like walking contradiction of a character. I mean, that, and that's a whole part of that film. But it's that it's the same kind of ilk with Dread is like, you know, he'll he'll kill as many people as he needs to maintain some you know hypothetical idea of law and order because at the same time it's like one of my favorite not my favorite but like one of like the most telling details that's almost like it's so absurd it's almost played as a joke when you hear it is that so when they're walking up to peach trees he asks anderson anderson tell me what you know about peach trees sir it has seventy five thousand people it is a 96 unemployment rate so 96% of those people in that building, 96% of 75,000 people are unemployed. And it's, and, but, but apparently judges expect them there to be no crime. Expect those 96% of people not to break the law when they are unemployed. And that, that, and like, they, it, like, it's so hypocritical and non, and like, nonsense. Like, of course, if, if there's 96% of 75,000 people Crime's mm. gonna be happening because they have no other fucking choice. How else are they supposed to survive? Like, I it's, think that part's it, like a crazy. throwaway line too. Like, it's not even sat on. For exactly, it, it yeah, always yeah, sticks to me because it's so absurd. Like, like you, ninety, like what? Like nowadays, what? What's a crazy number for the unemployment rate? Like what? Ten, twenty percent? That's an insane number. Twenty percent for an unemployment rate is like legit insane. That's like you know like if that was announced tomorrow like we'd all lose our fucking minds 96 percent of a city basically is it's it's like worse than the depression of course everything's heightened because that's what this movie is it is genre it's all heightened but still that i it, there's all these details like i said there's just not an ounce of fact every shot every line it's all either serving character plot um or um aesthetic and it, it's man sorry i'm i, I know i i've I, been no, yeah, so this much, is good. This is this, this is what so this much. episode is for. Yeah, that's good. Um, do we want to do like Carl Urban career talk or? I think we should probably yeah. we, get, we probably should start wrapping up soon. But I mean, I think we all can say we love Carl Urban. I don't know if he's maybe yeah, my I guess favorite that's New right. Zealander. I, I I think we can definitely say that for Carl Urban. Um, and you know, he just is someone who I feel like 
has finally found a showcase of the boys for everything mm-hmm. about him that works and you know the the kind of the weary like charm the the like kind of the badassery that's not calling attention to itself the kind of just you know everything that he can do with his comic timing as well i think is just so special um and he's an, an actor who typically just gets like kind of lost in an ensemble um right. in a way like you know lord of I the rings like being prime example lord of the rings star trek as well he was even in thor ragnarok though you don't remember him like being in thor ragnarok because who would like it's like he's just you know i i feel chronicles like of riddick to... everyone's favorite yeah. movie his like style is so kind of like um like the gravitas that jack mentioned is just very key to his appeal in a way where i feel like he's either the leading guy or you just don't focus on him enough to really Mm. see what works about him um and i i don't know that's my that's my soliloquy on uh carl urban how funny would it be if like when you get a letterbox account um they put chronicles of riddick in your diary kind of like how apple did with the u2 album that would be great oh i just I, it would be great if there can't was be, like you can't remove it either you can't delete it. the diary entry well what if it was like a, an entry point like you have to review the chronicles of riddick to join letterboxd <laughs> like that's like you it's have not to, a you bad movie to, you, it's you not about there's something going on there oh chronicles of riddick is great <laughs> who I directed mean, that it depends on which one you're talking is it alex poiras um no, 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 it's the Twi- same guy. David Toyhe. Yeah. He directed um, all three. Or or, T- or Tui. Gotcha. I don't know how you pronounce that. Um, but, like, he... Yeah, no, I mean, like, the first... This is an interesting comparison franchise, actually, with Dread, because Pitch Black is so kind of focused and very much, you know, just, like, you know, Bare you bones. meet... Dre- you, yeah, you meet Riddick, uh, like, in Medias Res, like, you know, right in the middle of, like, a day in the life for Riddick, where he gets right. stranded and has to, like, fight his way out, like seemingly this is a day in the life for him like that's just like a classic friday night for riddick um (laughs) but like but then like chronicles of riddick you know the one with urban in it is just like a whole fights a religious society of death bringers like it's the most fucking it's a whole space opera it's a space opera it's it's terrific in that way just because you know you don't get movies that like i mean you've got Jupiter ascending if you want to talk like, you know, space operas and like the Wachowski's doing that as right. well. But like, I, I do think that that movie has a certain, I don't know. Gr- the word grandiloquence feels right somehow. Like there's like a kind word. of a, there's kind of a ponderance to it. Like there's kind of like a, a really like there, there is like a weightiness to it that I'm not sure that the effects entirely bear out, but no. Urban's the perfect actor for that kind of movie because he just right. has this, um, this kind of center of gravity to him that, you know, can make even the silliest dialogue and the silliest character feel threatening or real in some way. He's usually pretty yeah. locked in. Like him, like he plays he like takes the Russian very assassin. Seriously. Yeah. Yeah. He plays like the Russian yeah. assassin in, um, uh, fuck, Born. It's not. It's Supremacy. Because it's yeah, Identity Supremacy Ultimatum. Yeah, he plays yeah. one in Supremacy, and he's really good in it. Uh, he says like five lines, but he's good. Um, <laughs> it's uh, like Clive like Owen in Identity. Like, whoa, hang on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right, yeah. Yeah. Um, look, look at, look at what they may make us do. 
that's a great line um but uh what was i gonna say yeah, yeah him and Bo- him as bones and star trek it's all just like really efficient locked in work like whatever it is like you, he just he gets there he takes the project seriously he commits to the genre it's operating within and he does his job yeah hmm. no he does i mean like i i can't really recommend this movie because it's not a good movie i don't right. like it very much but um you know if you want to see him doing like camp in a way like you should watch priest with paul bettany mm. the did you see P, uh priest or i have not but it's one? always that movie where i'm like that has to be priest. good right just like you look at the <laughs> plot you look at like the like the actors you're like that's good right and and then everyone tells you it's, no it's not good oh it's something not good here. There's right. something that, that just never comes to to life about it. it. It is weird because Scott Stewart, the director, did another movie like right next to it called Legion, also with Paul Bettany, um, which is like I get those you know, two he, movies confused all the time. Yeah, because they're the same goddamn movie. Like I don't understand <laughs> how he was allowed to make it. Did he twice just try it again? Because, uh, he, yeah, like, he, what about he, this time, guys? <laughs> he basically did try it again, like because. <laughs> I I feel like neither of them made a ton of money. Like, I think that they, no. they were very small budgeted, and so I think that they were about successful. But, like, Legion is like, you know, Paul Bettany is like the Archangel Michael and comes to a diner to say, like, hey, people at this diner, the world is ending, and I'm going to fight to save you from all of the, like, hellions that are about to come kill everyone. That because also sounds of, good. Because one of you is having the new baby jesus you know and we need it to just gets him. better that yeah. sounds great <laughs> you should i actually you know i, I will endorse clay's like i thought i was convinced enough i can't believe you it. guys you guys are an exiting through the 2010s podcast you need to see these movies because they actually do i think signify quite a lot of the the ridiculousness wow. of genre of genre film in the 2010s is like would you like you to come Legion. back for priests is this what I'm doing? I don't. I not for not for <laughs> priests. I'll come back. Not for priests. Um, but you know, you've you've got you know Legion where he's at, and then priest where he's like in a post-apocalyptic society of evil ninja priests. Um, Paul Bettany is, um, and his niece, because he is a niece, sure, um, is abducted by a gang of like, kind of like ramshackle kind of hickey vampires who are led by carl urban playing a character named black hat um that is his name this sounds so good but it's not i know it's not but it sounds so good it's it's not good you're like trying to remind yourself like it's not good it's not good it's not i'm I'm at a loss to explain why it's not good these two movies came out a year apart they must have filmed like almost back to back paul (laughs) like paul bettany and the director scott stewart um, and I just like, I don't understand how like a movie that's like a post-apocalyptic warrior priests. Oh, and by the way, the niece who gets kidnapped is Lily Collins. If that changes anything oh, for wild. you, it's Emily in Paris, uh, but in the apocalypse, she does about as well as you would expect. <laughs> expect Emily in Paris to do, um, but you know, if if. If I need to tell you what kind of movie this is, I can also tell you that Maggie Q is there. Um, yeah, I saw. I looked at the cast. I'm like, oh yeah, Maggie this Q. Gets of better course, and better. Of course. Maggie Q is there. Um, yeah, it's like, <laughs> and, and you know, Carla Urban. 
I think that, you know, Dread is so exceptional and it stands out in my memory because in this period of kind of garbage CGI, I, I blame Underworld for everything in my life as well as in movies. But, like, I do think that, like, you know, it has to answer for this entire strain of weird, like, post-apocalyptic, mythologically oriented sci-fi where, you know, everything that's, like, they were, like, you know what the oldest IP is? The Bible. You know, that's, like, <laughs> that's, how they, that's how they, like, they went into Priest and into Legion. Uh, I'm, just I'm like, like, imagining a boardroom with, like, other IPs crossed off on a whiteboard, and it's, like, there's one that isn't crossed off. Yeah, like, guys, 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 what Catholicism? about the Bible? Huh? Yeah. Huh? Leviticus? There's some right. real gory shit we can adapt from that. What about um, God? You know, that guy? Yeah, no, he's not. <laughs> Speaking listening. of Paul Bettany, um, do you guys ever think about his directorial debut, Shelter, with uh, Jennifer Colony? I do. Col- I, I don't. And, I can't. Yeah, I yeah. can't say I've seen Paul Bettany's debut. Um, I I haven't even seen Uncle Frank yet. I understand that he mm. is Uncle Frank. Yes, um, that is my understanding as yes. well. I I would just I'd love to see posters for that movie where they're like Paul Bettany is. Uncle Frank. Uncle Frank. Well, Uncle Frank. Uncle oh, Frank. fuck, sold. He's Uncle Frank. <laughs> He's Uncle Frank. It's yeah, like the I Dune no posters. Idea. Timothy Archalme is Paul. I know that. I know it's Alan Ball who did True Blood. So maybe it's like a secret vampire movie, and like quietly the third entry in the Legion Priest trilogy. <laughs> Hell yeah. Um, that would be. I would watch that. Do you like the first I, Underworld, I would... or is that also kind of on your shit list? Um. God. So the first one's kind two, of fun. I, I didn't there mind two, there, the You know, out of those two franchises, I think Resident Evil will always be the best. Oh, kind of, of franchise. course. They, 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 they were course. competing for similar audience real estate when they were coming out. But, totally. Yeah, of course. You know, I, I think Underworld's kind of always been crap, to be honest. That's um, fair. Like, Kate Beckinsale is in it, and she does what she came to do and she looks fantastic in right. the the cat the cat suit that they put her in um yes. and i think that you know that was a huge kind of selling point for the movie this was also kind of that that era of horror and action where you know they were trying to launch i guess they were maybe still chasing like sigourney weaver and aliens like trying to yeah, do that course. again but like you know there there was this whole kind of straight of movies like ultraviolet for example as well i think that was also mia jovovich was around that time mm-hmm. um Berry, Cow- yeah aeon flux catwoman yeah. you know they and you know they didn't work i i wonder why they didn't all work um couldn't have been that it was like the same dude directing all of them That's and right. not doing a good job um but you know i i i think that you know underworld no, I think Underworld's just been crap the whole time. Yeah, I, I had fair. to think about it. I had to think about it, but yeah, I no, can't think fair. of one of those movies that I've enjoyed. Michael Sheen's pretty good, though. Michael Sheen's always good. Like, I would Michael rather, I'd rather, I'd rather pay to see Michael Sheen do anything other than that. Like, I even watched all of Masters of Sex. Like, that's how much I respect Michael Sheen. <laughs> like, I think that's the only people who have seen it. Are like. Are you like the Michael Sheen fan club? It's like yeah. uh, are the only the people who watch Masters of Sex. You had yes. your validation card through. Right, exactly. Through they the you didn't you weren't allowed to watch it otherwise. You are like the, uh, before you could access it within the app. They asked you ten questions about Michael Sheen, and then you were allowed to yeah. watch it. 
and he just played like Chris Tarrant um, quiz, like on AMC. Like he just played like, because um, I, I grew up in England. Like he was basically, you know, doing like who wants to who wants to be a millionaire? He plays the host of that. And like uh, Matthew McFadden and Sean Clifford from Fleabag play this like British couple who are accused of cheating on who wants to be a million who wants to be a millionaire. Um, it, was, it was called like the coughing major because he was like Matthew McFadden was like a major in the military and like went on the show. And they had there's this whole tabloid story that they'd been coughing to each other to signal the right answer to the show. Um, That's so which fun. turned out to turned out to be bullshit. Like, just did not happen. But the tabloids destroyed them. But like, you know, Michael Sheen is fantastic in that, playing Chris Tarrant as like the host of this reality show, just kind of quietly like losing his shit like throughout this like four episode series. Um, anyway, What's Michael the series Sheen, again? It's called Quiz. It was on AMC uh, earlier. I think last year, actually, not earlier this year. This sounds really good. It's great. You should you would watch it in the night. It's fantastic. I can't remember if it's three or four episodes, but uh, either way, it's worth the time. Um, I'm making my but, way through Felicity right now. I love Felicity. Felicity is a great show. Yeah, yeah. Are you a Noel uh, or Ben person? Hmm. We're giving you really hard questions this episode. This is this is <laughs> Under- Underworld or Resident Evil? Noel yeah. or Ben. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna defer, i'm gonna defer on answering that one in case either of them are listening you know <laughs> I just scott speedman is a huge fan of us i know it's <laughs> oh yeah no i well it is the battle of the scots there right you know you yeah. just gotta you, you can't really pick one i i guess like hollywood pick neither of them in the end but they picked felicity as they should you know yeah carrie russell is is booked and busy still major Um, crush on carrie russell and felicity (laughs) just perpetual some things never change including the crush her face you know all of that it's just the curly hair the 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 nose yeah it's everything (laughs) yeah she'll look like that after i'm dead and gone um but (laughs) anyway um i i I, we should like kind of start wrapping this up i feel like right yeah to, it, rather you, than yeah. no continuing, I, I, to, continuing I, uh, to go down the felicity rabbit hole yes <laughs> i i give you a round of applause for initiating this because if if you didn't we would have just been like well i think i'm an old person but yeah okay um do you have a favorite scene for us or if you'd like to think about it one of us can go first a favorite scene in dread mm-hmm. yeah no actually um, in, in uh in quiz <laughs> in quiz <laughs> In Felicity, actually. Let's open it up. I'll go through four years, and I'll find the best scene in Felicity. All, out of all um, 82 episodes, what's going to be? All, all, it's, it's, you know, it's obviously, you know, episode 74, right. um, but, which I know by name. Uh, no, but the, uh, I would say the best scene in Dread. That's a, a great question. I think my favorite scene in the movie is actually... Um, I think my favorite scene in Dread, funnily enough, is the first scene with uh, Lena Headey and the first scene where you meet Mama mm-hmm. and she's in the bathtub and you get that, the slow motion effect with the, the her arm coming up out of the water. Because um, it, it just knocked me on my ass this time. I didn't really remember that scene from the first time I'd seen the movie, but you get 
so much of the fear and the intimidation that she wields over peach trees over the block you get so much of her kind of domineering dynamic with the people who are serving her you get that gorgeous effect that really kind of sets the the tone for how visual effects are going to be used in the movie um and you know you get and you get lena hetty in a bathtub just you know being right. an, uh, being an absolute king Right. you know mm. that and, scar and, uh, were you like, like that scar does nothing it's like you're still lena heady like what do you wait, come on come right, on right yeah. she tried to like uh uh what is, what's it called uglify uglify yeah uh, sure no, that's, yeah. that's the word uh but, no um, um it, like, yeah yeah go ahead yeah. were you were you guys game of thrones fans during 2012 or were you just no. or were you conscious of who lena heady was when you saw it i think nah, i wa- i started I watching game of thrones before I watched it on Netflix, and that might have been 2016 or whatever. I don't know, mm. but yeah, yes, yeah. No, I I was I think I was somehow aware of her, but I don't think it was through Game of Thrones. I I like just I don't remember watching Game of Thrones when it was on until like season four or five, and then I think I or maybe I like started it when it when it first happened, right? Um, but you know I. I actually, I wonder how I would have been aware of her. Oh, 300. It was 300. Yes, you know, of I'd course. See, yes. I'd, see, yes. I'd seen her uh. play like Queen Gorgo in three in 300. Oh, and she was Sarah Connor in, in, on a TV. Um, she yes. was uh, Sarah Connor Chronicles. The, Sarah Connor Chronicles. She was she was Sarah Connor. Um, so yes. yeah, no, I knew who Lena Headey was. I just like. Um, Mal, I can't believe I completely forgot about the Sarah Connor Chronicles. I used to be a lot a, of people have show of mine. Yeah, I, it's have a shame they? because you know they, there's so much that I think you can learn from that show about how to do a good Terminator thing. Um, I like Dark Fate, but you know they're never going to make that franchise like bankable Probable. again by doing like the kind of big blockbuster movies they're doing. Yeah, Dark they, Fate like, bombed. They, yeah. They need they need like a Sarah Connor Chronicles again. Like they need a TV yeah. show to kind of reintroduce the world and do something different with it without having the the massive fucking burden of launching like a huge blockbuster film that will cost three hundred million to market it needs to make twice that to be successful. Like Wouldn't you it just, be hilarious if Noah Holly can't do that. If Noah Holly came out tomorrow and was like, Yeah, I'm also doing a Terminator show. I'm doing the Alien show and the Terminator show, and they're gonna give me a Predator show. God. Oh Jeez. fuck that guy! I it just I you know I lo- I love I love Fargo and I Legion's pretty like, good. And I, I like the Legion, you know, the TV show Legion, not the Paul Bettany Legion. Yeah, yeah, the like, other Legion, the other Legion. But like you know, Holly, Holly to me is kind of doing the. I don't know. He's doing the Jordan Peele thing right now of being like, you know, he's had like a, a hit and he's so spread thin that everything is going to be ten percent. And it's going to be very noticeable. It makes me very worried about his alien TV show. Um, because, you well, know, after know writing the up. momentum of Lucy in the sky, like, I don't <laughs> right. understand. Oh. Uh, pain, 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 pain. Is he still doing Star Trek as well? I, th- um, I, mean, no, I haven't I bet heard otherwise, not. right? I don't um, know. I bet, like, there's no, that's in development hell. Um, let, well, I just want to actually go back to Lena Headey real quick. I want to just mention, because I wanted to say this. I love her performance because her 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 choice her like big choice for Mama is like what if she was bored of violence and death? What if she was like mm. uninterested in like what was <clears throat> happening because she doesn't fucking care? She's so like inhuman 
and like like basically at at a point in her life like she's been through so much she's like suffered so much trauma she's seen so much violence and death around her what if she was just kind of like over it and not like like mm-hmm. the way she could like like the way she gives the speech to peach trees in the for, via the intercom and she's mm-hmm. like peach trees this is mama so like there's some judges want you to kill them like it's all so like lackluster and, and you would and some people might take that performance as oh she's just like she didn't even try it's like no she's making like choices like the way she like mm-hmm. commands people is like like she never raises her voice she never like yells maybe she like screams once or whatever but she's always so measured yeah. and so like i have this under control and even when she's dressing someone down she's still like you're are you too fucking stupid to do that can you, uh, you know, I would kill you myself, but I have, I don't It's have, almost as if like, she's working people. under somebody and she's at work and she's just like running through the motions. Exactly. Because she's yeah. been yeah, through yeah. all of it. She's done, she's already, you know, uh, caused so much carnage and like his art is mutilated already so many pe- people and murdered as many people as you could think. And she's just like, at the, at the end of the day, how many people can you murder where you're just kind of like, I guess that's whatever. Who cares? He's dead. I killed him. Mm-hmm. I skinned him. You know, I fucking ate yeah. that dude. I, I bite that dude's dick off. Like, who cares? Like, at the end of the day, it's just like, yeah. what the fuck? Like, who cares? Like, I, I'm just, just to bring it up again. I'm just doing uh, what I'm doing. It, it reminds me of Joy from Blade Runner 2049. Um, yes. Like how she's yeah. But. Perfect. Um, do you have a scene? The whole movie. Like it's scene one, scene. scene two, yeah, yeah, yeah. Three. So like when it says "dread" the title card, and then it goes and it says "directed by Peter Travis," like that part is pretty good. Yeah, not the Peter Travis part, but yes. I'm no offense to Peter <laughs> Travis, but I literally have. You know no, what I meant? You know, you know. I never what's, think of Peter Travis when I think of this film. What's funny is is you're saying Pete Travis, and it sounds like you're saying Peter Travers. I am saying Peter I'm Travis. Like... <laughs> I didn't know. I forgot Peter it was Travers, Pete Travis. Pete... Peter Travers directed <laughs> this film. I, I I just wanted you know the the Rolling Stone critic Ooh, yeah. uh, and uh, Good Morning America. In between those two gigs, he directed <laughs> Dread. Um, I remember being that side the hustle. Game of four stars. It's like how Amazon treats Prime. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. I yeah. I honestly don't know the difference between the two. Uh, I, I can say that it's a fine line <laughs> these days. You know. Yeah, it's a fine line. Yeah. Um, he's actually um, both of them. He's just running between sets. Yeah, it's Pete Travis. I'm not saying Travers, gets, but I keep saying Peter Travis. Okay, all right. I, he's like no, he's no, like no, get, don't, he's don't. like running. He's like sprinting to GMA, and he's all sweaty. Like, right? Yeah. No, Clay, you've been saying it right. I think this whole episode. I think you've just start. You no, just I've started there. I think I'm almost a hundred percent sure I've been saying Peter. I have not been saying Pete. I don't call people Pete. That's against my religion or something. I don't know. I I just like I don't uh, like. I, Toy Story Pete. 2 got to you, huh? Yeah. Um, but what was I going to say? Yeah, so, like, yeah, I, I love her just performing choices. But, yes, uh, my favorite scene. Um, God, I love the opening. It's, like, again, that's, like, such... I mean, it's, like, it's weird because it shouldn't work. Because, like, any time that's ever been done, it's, like, the like the bla- like the the most notable one is, like, the Blade Runner theatrical cut. It's, like, ugh, unneeded narration. But this one, it's just so... I think it's maybe just, like... It feels like... Um, uh, manifesto from dread it doesn't feel like feel like there's like actual like, character within it it's not just exposition it's just more of like how he feels it because there's like these it's not like like him recounting the plot uh, or like the background of the movie it's him just like his own like 
irradiated American wasteland. You know, it's mega cities, mega blocks. Like it, you can hear, feel the anger and like the stain in his voice and like, like the miles in it. But no, that's not my favorite scene. Um, I just love that scene. Uh, my favorite. I love. Okay, I'll just put. I don't really. I don't think I have a favorite scene of this movie. Funny enough, I'll just do one scene that I kind of just love. It's like my favorite Deus Ex Machina. Uh, I, I know that's. It's not in the not in the sense of like the movie Ex Machina, but the you know the is that that's what you call it, right? When like something out of nowhere happens to save the day, Deus Ex Machina. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. sure. Yeah. That is, that is correct. Um, yeah. it's Dread, <laughs> Wounded, Lex, the Corrupted Judge, who I like by the way. I think I really like him. I like his performance as well. I think he's actually he actually um I don't know I forget the actor's name. He's like some like journeyman, but like he does a pretty good job at like matching Urban's intensity. And, um, he's a like, he's a South African guy. Oh, uh, the oh. Guy, oh. that's, that's the your homeland, plays, Clay. Yes. The one who plays yeah, uh, John Flex, Langley Kirkwood. Yes, and he I, and that makes more sense. Mikel like, Levin. Why is he over Mikel Levin. Enunciating so much. It's like when the way he says "gun," like it's so funny. Um, mm-hmm. But like, yeah, the whole speech when he has him wounded and like Dread's like, "Wait," and he's like, "Did you just say wait?" Judge Dread, the Judge Dread. You know, you finally end up on the wrong side of a gun, and you say, "Wait, wait for what? To for wait for me to change my mind? Wait for uh, two seconds of uh, your life because you are too pathetic to see it end?" Like, and by the way, I'm not reading off of anything. I just knew that, and I know I got some words uh, switched around, but yeah, I'm I'm not I'm not cool. But like, it, it's <laughs> You're it, really it is kind of a yeah. I. It does so much character building for Dread. It's like, oh, that is his like. It's like the like the reputation of like who he is, and does so much like background work. Even if it's later in the film, it really gets like it. It, it crystal. Uh, I already said crystallizes, but like it really is like the final stamp on like this. Yeah, this is Dread, man. This is Dread, and he gets shot, and he's like, no, wait, no. I I mean, I was wait for her to shoot you, and it's all good. It's mm. it. it, it yeah, I it's usually hate those scenes. Yeah. I think everyone kind of dislikes those scenes a lot. Um, cause it feels so like forced, but for some reason I'm just like, it, there's so much to it where I'm just kind of like, yeah, no, that ruled. It's very much like vintage capital A action of, um, yeah. the, like a booyah moment moment. Uh, it's the Yahoo yeah, and Star uh, Wars uh, where Han Solo. Right. Sees sure. You. Sure. Um, Yo! I, <laughs> I, I, uh, sometimes want to use favorite scene to shout out something we haven't really touched on yet. Uh, Wood Harris is K, you know? Um, Great. It, just another Love me some Wood Harris. Uh, Always good. Um, exercising some some great acting chops. And, uh, and I'm great. choosing the stuff with uh, with Anderson, with the, their banter and and how she's reading his mind and, and like they're invading each other's mental space. It's, it's really, really well done. Yeah. Yeah, very like, you know, a great kind of character work there for Anderson too you know to mm-hmm. to kind of get a sense of like the grit that she has like you know she is not above using everything that she has including the psychic abilities to to get one over on people yeah and it's really funny that he pees himself that's a good bit that's a good bit it, um i do love the uh, close up to the dp kept talking about in the featurettes of close-ups and i think a lot of the psychic stuff really shows that too anytime like anderson's like doing anything psychically i mean you the camera kind of shakes and you hear that like ringing but it like a lot of like 
I don't know. He uh, there's just a lot of it's there. It I feel like in modern blockbusters, especially like superhero films or whatever, everyone's just okay with a me um, uh, like a, a medium shot, like a, or like a two medium. Like we're just like yeah, like it's like above. Like it's not a long long shot, but like or um yeah, like a long shot. It's like just above their waist and they're kind of in frame. But it there's like no close ups in film in like like blockbusters anymore. It's bizarre. Um, but like it, this film really does like try to demonstrate as like does as many close ups as possible. Whether it be Mama having her head like her head just like flattened, uh, in front of us, or fucking like when Anderson is like getting. Um, or using her uh, psychic abilities or like terrified there's shots of her just like terrified of what's happening and uh, really uh, I think the DP said something of instead of like using like for the 3D he focused on like humans being part of that not necessarily like a punch or an action or explosion being part of that 3D it's like people's faces he said like you know I I wanted to use the 3D as uh, a way to make people's faces like a canvas or something like that Mm. Um, yeah, like blended. Really, background. the DP sounded like on his shit with this movie. I was really impressed with like how he was talking about it and like how how much intention was behind it. Mm. Um, also, I love the score. Good score. Love the music yeah. when it's slow motion. I know that it's very um, ethereal. Uh, uh, who composed the score? Oh wait, yeah, um, it's some. Paul I Leonard mean, Morgan. I, I love yeah, it, pa- but it's um, some nobody. He he like uh, was inspired by Carpenter a lot, and you can definitely see that. Yeah. It's that cyberpunk you, It's almost like feel. you can cyberpunk feel, and you can't date it. You can't place which right time it was composed. It's very yeah. It's not retro, but it's not modern. Like it is very much like that's the kind of beauty of cyberpunk. Yeah. It's like it can come from like any era, really. I mean, you know, relatively. But um, I also I, I listen to that score a lot. It's really like the like the theme for like when the like corrupted judges come in. It goes hard um it's yeah it's either like the ethereal stuff when it comes to the slow motion or like just the badass like blood pumping like um techno um yeah i'm i'm i've talked about enough but i i fucking love this movie i love everything about it it's one of my favorite movies of all time i the action's seamless the it's all tactile and tech and textured and everything feels real but it doesn't feel like it doesn't feel like gritty for gritty's sake where it's just like they want to you know it doesn't feel edgy or whatever it feels all like and it's still like the joke of like in the beginning where you know the mall opens up right after that like it got like got shot up and they're like you know mall will be opened in an hour and like you see like a like a like an automated vacuum just cleaning over someone's blood it's like <laughs> yeah. i mean that's, that's like kind of moment. black humor yeah. is so fucking great <clears throat> um yeah yeah it, I, again like that, that in there. yeah just to like name drop minority report once more it, that it's de- like that disregard for violence is in that universe uh, that fictional right. washington dc as well for yeah. sure um i forgot that anthony don mantle shot this I, I i looked it up last uh, a few days ago and um yeah he's like danny boyle's uh regular cinematographer large Ventures regular like apparently yeah, a lot of danny boyle's people DP. were on this film like because yeah, yeah. like he collaborates with garland people. so much you know yeah. it's yeah. a fun I it's a fun link sense. to from between dread and antichrist is that it's like this movie and that one where you know dob mantle just goes nuts at the slow-mo right mm, yeah yeah you right. know what yeah 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 wow yes um yeah. i would love for garland and boyle to work again together that'd be interesting yeah i i yeah. feel like boyle 
like his but what if there was a world where people forgot about danny boyle you know (laughs) yeah (laughs) it's true it's true what if there was i would be at least but alex garland was the only one who remembered it, it was the, it, it truly is like the biggest buzzkill imaginable that Boyle goes from doing like train spotting the beach twenty eight eight days later and sh- and sunshine to doing like mm-hmm. Slumdog Millionaire Steve Jobs yesterday. I love Steve Jobs, but all the other films, yeah, you're fine. Yeah, I, I, I agree. And, yeah. Uh, well, I mean, did, could we forget seven. that well, the just, train just spotting like the two arc. sequel? I mean, well, T two is yeah. T two. You know, yeah. it's you know. Is it the best T two? That's a good debate. Let's pick. <laughs> let's pick Judgment Day or Train Spotting. Um, we can do T two on this podcast. Who knows who picks that? I have no. Yeah, idea. Brian Rowe. I want someone to pick it though. I want someone. No, Brian Rowe. I want someone to be like, to. "This is my movie." Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but um, well, well, yeah, thanks fasc- for fascinating thanks movie. For the... Fascinating. Thank, thank you for yeah. the dread talk. Thank you so like, much. This for is, being here. Um, this is it, no, it's great to it's great to have a reason yeah. to to go back to that one because I truly, you know, will always watch it if it's like comes up on streaming. But you know, to have like a specific reason to go back in and be like, oh wait, yeah, this is like every bit as great as I remember. Like that's a, that's a yeah. great experience that to have. It's this so pod has been that. a great excuse to rewatch anything that I wouldn't because like I'm really bad at rewatching. Like I've stated Same. so many times um and it's and, and this pod has just been a great source to to go th- back to things that i wouldn't normally go back to but those things that i wouldn't normally go back to are everything <laughs> so yeah um yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Well, and that's just you. one of them and uh thank you for sorry, being here for this very if, um... special episode um uh, uh, 100 is a pretty big milestone and uh yeah, congratulations! It, this, congratulations I think this is a great choice for, that. that's, for that's huge. This means so much to Clay. Yeah, yeah. Thank no, you. It, yeah, it, I, I, um, I, the moment we're like dread, I'm like Isaac, Isaac for sure. Like I want Isaac well, on this episode. Thank you. I'm, I'm sorry if I've been a bit chaotic on this one. I've been, you know, my AirPods have continued to die as we've been on this. So I've been alternating charging them. No, I got you. I've done that. Yet. I've done that oh, before as well. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. No, you've been great. Thank you so much for coming on. No, yeah, and uh, and happy 100 to exit through the 2010s. It's, thank you, um, thank it's you. It's great that you guys are doing Gracias. this and, and still going. I I hope you know uh, another hundred more. Same. Yeah. Cheers. Thank I you. I wish we had champagne to pop, but I forgot to get some. I don't drink champagne. It's not. Well, it, it doesn't. Taste it's good. not a good. Be, it's not a good drink, but it's sort of like honest. of the moment. It's let's, like not. It's like gross. Let's stop like I don't lying. like. That's the celebratory. society has been telling Um, a lie it's bad champagne is bad that's my take can't wait to have you back for priest regardless yes Yes, Um, right actually we already got you down for that one let's let's uh let's have (laughs) some slow-mo we'll 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 have some slow-mo in in honor of exit through the 2010s that'll be our our ceremonial slow-mo i can't Um, where can everybody find you i actually didn't think about that Yes, it is Sorry, called um, slow mo. It, it is called. If you yeah. everybody, where can everybody find you on the internet? If you have anything to promote? Oh yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. No, thank you. Um, yeah, you can find something. me on Twitter. I'm at Isaac Feldberg. Um, yeah, I'm also on Letterboxd at Isaac Feldberg, where um, I'm realizing that my only dread review was written while I was, you know, very not in my right mind. But it was just, you know, five stars and me yelling at. Uh, I think Millennium or whoever the, the production studio is for not Lionsgate? making the sequel. 
uh, Lionsgate. Yeah, it must have. I think I was yelling at a specific person. But I don't yes, know you are the CEO of Lionsgate at the time. Uh, but thank you so much for having me <laughs> here uh, again. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm Isaac Feldberg. It's been a blast. And, uh, yeah, you can find me wherever. Uh, but yeah, thanks thanks again so much for having me on. Thank you for coming. I really on. wanted you to, to say I'm Elvis, I'm Isaac Feldberg and I love movies. <laughs> My name, my name is Isaac Feldberg, and I do love movies, especially Dread 2012. The other ones are okay, Hell yeah. but it's Excellent. mostly just Dread. It's true. Nothing beats Dread. The other ones are fine. The other ones are okay. Yeah. Herzog? This is the bar. Yeah, 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 you know. Right, right, right. But I bet Herzog didn't have slow All right, Jack, where can everyone find All right, go ahead. Right, so Monsters like, yeah, and Sex? Please, yeah. Um, yeah, I can be found on Twitter uh, at Jack A. Draper. I am on Letterboxd as well, uh, Jack Draper. Um, my writing is on The Simple Cinephile and Cineflix Daily and Cinema, et cetera, um, and my own personal medium. I, what would, uh, yeah, this is available on Hulu, um, which which is what I used, but not my glorious-looking 4K and Steelbook. Yeah, I got a Steelbook. Um, I just which, want to mention that I, again. I got a Steelbook. Which I may invest in, right? Honestly, just just like really enjoying the the movie and and also like you guys uh, bring it to show and tell. <laughs> I'll buy it for you for your um, birthday. That's what I'll do. Oh my goodness! Um, yeah, next week we have uh, we're revisiting Christine 2016 with uh, Christine Tucker. Um, uh Christine, Christina, or something yeah. there. We'll talk about it. Yeah. We'll talk. Um, it's 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 a bummer, guys. It's a bummer. <laughs> it's not dread. That's also another bummer not... about it. <laughs> but Christina will fire. be great. Very happy. No, but I, I'm I'm fi- I'm like fi- I'm fired up to do Christine though. Like still still keeping the same energy. You know, it's, Rebecca it's, Hall, it's real, great. It's real good. We can talk about her performance in mm-hmm. Godzilla versus King Kong, which I've always wanted to. <laughs> We're dying about it. Um, Excellent. Yes. All right. That'll be great. Um, yeah. Everyone, follow me at Birds of Clay on Twitter and on Letterboxd. You can follow me on Instagram at Mr. Clay Williams. You can follow the podcast Twitter account at ETT Pod. You can follow the Instagram account at Exiting Twenty Tens. You can send us an email at Exiting Through the Two Thousand Tens Gmail dot com. Please remember to rate, review, subscribe. Uh, give us a review on any podcast platform you listen to us on to. Um, we'd greatly appreciate it. Retweet, share our Instagram post, anything to get the word out. Again, would really appreciate that. But you know, really excited to do a hundred more of these. It's been a great, yeah. great time. To I love doing it. this. I love doing this it's with you. So much fun. I love everyone we have. Um, ev- like everyone we've had is amazing. Um, yes, it's yeah. also like yeah. it's introduced. It's gotten me to meet like insanely talented and amazing people like Isaac. It's been like truly just super like it's kind of crazy because i'm like meeting people who have like appreciated their work like Vinny. like i was a huge fan of Vinny manacuso for a long time before we even th- like did this podcast and i got to like you know bill bilgo we you know we both listened to blank check and we've heard his voice a few times via that podcast way before we did this and so it's just been surreal to meet these people and also meet new people that i've you know that i didn't necessarily know so much about or jack introduced me to and just building like just like it, it's been great just building this from the ground up dare we say uh, building friendships building friendships and one of yeah. the best friendships i've ever had is definitely with mr jack draper so this is always this has been so much fun buddy i, I can't wait to do on yeah. more for you this is 
can't no, i couldn't ask for a better co-host so i really appreciate it absolutely yeah yeah good stuff good stuff um, all, yeah yeah it's all good it's all it's like, more. can't can't it can't yeah it's like we were completely different people in uh, october 2019 crazy oh it's been so long let's not think about time let's let's we let, went let's to the beach that got sleep. that makes us old and oh, now we here. did make we went to the beach that did make us old and we also did some slow-mo yeah. while we were on that beach so. would that make you yeah. would that make yeah, you age crazy. any slower or would you just be i have more no idea it's like it. you perceive time what at one percent it does you, you're the, on slow-mo and you're aging on the beach that makes you old so i feel like you just have a pretty normal day <laughs> right 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 yeah it's it uh, this the drug never makes sense by the way i i love this movie it doesn't make sense like if you die at a certain um, time yeah. in like reality you die it's not like you can't die at one percent like that's not how dying works you're dead <laughs> no it's uh, true but n- n- doesn't matter and uh, also like i feel like i i'll kick myself if i forget to mention this but one of the other cool things about doing this is something is something is getting to rewatch something that i already knew i loved but also seeing your reaction for the first time um and also loving it like when we did magic mike or margaret or francis ha Mm. like i already knew those were stone cold masterpieces five stars but but seeing you like and and also those were some things that i didn't see maybe at the right age or at the right time that i that That was with me with spring like it hit it hit with it right i i loved i knew i loved spring breakers and like some other examples um uh, Mistress America, I guess, but it's like I knew I loved those, but I think seeing like on rewatch, like yes, you catch more, but it's almost as if it's been so long that it's it's like a first time seeing it. Yeah, this has been great. Let's and, let's uh, keep doing yeah. this. This has been fun. Let's let's just keep um, doing them. You know, why why stop at hundred? We could um, we could just walk away with dread. I feel like we feel like satisfied. I feel like you feel satisfied. I'd but, feel, um, well, we got to talk still about many more at some movies. Point. We gotta talk about Venom. right, right, right. Um, Let we, there we, be carnage, um, but we gotta talk about Venom. Yes, yes, yes. Um, many more movies of the de- of the decade. We, like, there's a lot course. of movies. That's like um, a crazy. There's, you know, there's, there's so like many, and, and to fit in from the from uh, these ten years, and you know, yeah, ex- excited to see what's on the horizon. Couldn't agree more. All right. Be safe, everyone. Thank you all so much for listening for our 100. Uh, remember, trans rights are human rights. Stop Asian hate. Free Palestine. Black Lives Matter. I'll catch you all next time on Exiting Through the 2010. <laughs>